Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme this morning. Coming up on the show, Johnny Luby is with me live in studio and we'll chat in just a little while. We've been attempting uh, to speak to Father Sean Sheehy and we were to do so and uh, we're hoping that we will at some point or other during the show uh, this morning. The people of Templemore will host a protest to reopen the Garda College swimming pool. The impact of the avian flu on our wild birds. Bounty remains the Irish celebrations tubs um, in the Irish celebrations uh, tubs by the way and that's despite the removal from the UK this was big news all over the country yesterday I know there's war and there's all sorts of things going on but people were very concerned about the removal of the little bounty bar from the tub uh, there you go we'll chat about that later on as well our, our our Friday panel of course will unpack the big topics of the week so all of that and much much more on the way the Irish Times headline today Ireland in EU push to keep top Eurozone finance a role and uh, it's an interesting one because uh, seemingly Ireland is exploring whether other European Union states uh, would allow Ministers Pascal Gunnarhu and Michael McGrath both to attend meetings of the Eurogroup, the club of Eurozone finance ministers in an effort to solve one of the major issues affecting the December cabinet reshuffle. Important stuff, I can tell you. The Irish Daily Mail. Thursday is the new Friday, they're telling us. Thursday has become the new Friday with customers shifting their socialising due to remote working and the rising cost of living. That's according to a new report. The Irish Examiner. Uh, telling us that 24-hour waits to be seen in A&E as the norm. The HSE's chief clinical officer has admitted that patients can expect to be stuck on trolleys for 24 hours in the country's hospital emergency departments this winter, so nothing different there. The Irish Independent, Revolut, setting its sights on mortgage market. Revolut is targeting the mortgage market, uh, the company's uh, CEO has revealed, and also Gardaí should have the power to caution rather than prosecute people with severe addictions to drugs such as ecstasy or cocaine. The minister responsible for drugs strategy has said. So that's a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Johnny Luby is among us. Johnny, how are you? Fine, how's it going, lad? It's going very well, Johnny. Fresh and well, you're looking this morning, ah. considering you were aboard the ship last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the most appropriate name for a pub, the ship, isn't it? Uh, considering all the rain we were getting. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. that I was coming back from that, uh, one of my favourite tracks, friend. If you ask me in the morning, where would I go to? I love Chilton and of course and all that thing but uh, I'll uh, give me Tullus any tall state it's absolutely Is fantastic it? I think friendly it's the place because yeah. uh, you meet all the old timers there you know I'm 68 myself and I swear to God I was probably the youngest there yesterday <laughs> now there was a lot of kids there because uh, they were off this week from school 
they were yeah. with grandparents and the whole lot but I took a break from my eight I didn't bring any of them in because <laughs> they're tough going they like the Tipperary Fox you needed sounds. the break didn't but uh, yeah Frank Tullis to me is uh, you know I love looking over at the Devil's Beat and all the places that remind me of Tipperary and uh, that and uh, to see the wonderful horses going up like them Tullis is the all weather of National Hunt Racing by that I mean they seem to be able to cope with all the weather that the man above throws at them whereas other tracks out there uh, they don't uh, uh, they don't, the water doesn't gets into the ground it mm. doesn't really get into Tullis you know but it's a fantastic uh, uh, set up there I just love that I love it you it's know. great was it a good turnout there was a great turnout there yeah. yesterday you know absolutely uh, top class you know and uh, I suppose all the big stables were represented there with Mullins and Gigginstown and all of those but really it's only the start of the national hunt scene you know and uh, as we're talking about national hunt this weekend is probably the big one in Ireland insofar as that you have down Ryle up there they hold a big festival of two day racing prize money is huge and of course next weekend then you're on to the uh, November meeting in Cheltenham which mm. is possibly if anybody was going to Cheltenham and they asked me which, where when should they go? Should they go to the November meeting or the March meeting? I'd say certainly the November meeting because it's really a family meeting, you know. But Cheltenham have gone huge price uh, hikes as well. I mean, when you think of a pint of Guinness, seven pound fifty sterling, what? and it's in a glass, it's in it's in a, a plastic, 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 a plastic thing. Oh my God! Oh my. Yeah, you know. So like the prices are gone huge there as well. So I'm taking a break from it uh, uh, this year. Uh, we'll say this November. Mm. It's the first time I've missed it in twenty odd years, but. Uh, I'll it's too much. And, yeah, sit back, sit back and watch it on the the, the telly. You yeah, know. Why not? Indeed. Did you predict the Kilroan McDonough victory? Did you? Well, I, I I did two years ago, friend. I was two years ahead ahead of the winning. <laughs> I was big into Kilroan McDonalds, you know. Yeah. But uh, I genuinely thought that they were there or thereabouts. And look, commiserations to uh, Kildang, and they put yeah. up a marvelous battle, but. Lots of things, I suppose, uh, Kim Kilwan McDonough's way, you know, they were, that night, that night of the tragic uh, tragedy of poor Dylan Quirk, the Lord of mercy upon him. Like, it really gelled the two clubs together, Canalty and uh, 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 Kilwan McDonough's. I mean, they came down for the month's mind. They proved that they were not alone were they a hurling team. They were a real family-organised parish up there yeah. in Kilwan, and they'd done everything with, uh, uh, as such, Dylan, the Lord of mercy upon him, uh, in mind. You know, it seemed to have gelled them together and even the other day when they won the county final again you see a fort on the paper the red helmet uh, in the air and that I, you know I, I thought that was like, heartbreaking that it was heartbreaking you know but Dan and Hazel were at the match yeah. last Sunday you were know, they? they were yeah, yeah and uh, the chairman of Kilo, of uh, Clonolty Ross Moore Andrew Friday like and they were Joe Hayes they, they were there you know at the county final uh, it wasn't that they were cheering for Kilroan McDonough's against Kildang mm. it was just that they wanted to be part of the uh, uh, support of course, uh, I would yeah. say more than anything else for, for a, a kill one with the way that they had supported Clonolty Ross more in their in their uh, hour of need you know yeah. but uh, look to, uh, it, as a girls hurling it may not have been top class uh, uh, hurling but they play, the teams gave their all in the pursuit of the Danbury and, and uh, it rests now above in, in, in uh, kill one McDonald's the magpies are the black and whites uh, uh, and that look was great for them, friend. You know, and mm. the hard look about it is as such. Look, they won a county final. They'll take each game as it comes. They're out this weekend against Ballygunner, the All Ireland champions. Yeah. They have to travel down to Waterford. But look, 
they'll be happy to have won the county final and they won't let down Tipperary I can tell you that they're a tough hardy bunch of boys as well and well, certainly Liam, a passionate club anyway oh yeah Liam Carr hopefully would get a few players off the team you know <coughs> yeah. uh, and that and I suppose when you look at the role of honour in Tipperary you have uh, heartiest congratulations to Laura Dora and uh, Ken Hogan and all his charges on winning the uh, county intermediate to Ross Gray on run, winning the Premier to uh, Upper Church Drumbane on winning the county junior A but it's Grange Mokler that go forward into the Munster because Upper Church Drumbane are considered a senior club as well as uh, ah, being in a junior right. competition so it's Grange Mokler Belly Neal that go forward and the best of luck to them and of course then you have uh, Salahid from West Tipperary where we fired the first shot for Irish Freedom <laughs> Don't mention the war <laughs> and uh, that so uh, yeah that that, uh, that famous pub as I often said on Tip FM the hideout you know I mean some pub I think uh, years ago there was a Mrs Mulholland or something and she put down well I'll have to I'll have to tone it down a small bit she said no man ever left here hungry toasty or with a sexual appetite (laughs) (laughs) so I loved I loved the hideout you know uh, and that the wonderful people in Salad like I mean it's magnificent for them to be in a county junior A final right they're taking on the Reds or O'Grady team in the Southfields which is their four team admittedly but I suppose the Southfields would be favourites but uh, look for Salahid it's brilliant you know they were a, they the young crow and a top class p- teams back in the 50s and 60s and that and like ourselves in Golden they were, uh, we used to meet them fairly often in the intermediate uh, we just held our own and they probably went back to junior A and came back up again they're a wonderful club uh, the green and red of Salahid and they have a magnificent facility over there as well brilliant you know Absolutely it's top brilliant. yeah, you know like well, yeah. Uh, that's all uh, the best of luck to them I think they uh, I'd be giving them a huge chance of beating right. the Celtics. What about rugby then, Johnny? What we yeah, Fred, it's a huge there? weekend for rugby. Yeah. Tonight on television, of course, we have uh, Ireland against the All Blacks as such in the A-team. And uh, there'll be a huge crowd uh, there and, of course, great interest on the television. But tomorrow then evening then is the big one, Ireland against uh, South Africa. And... Uh, I suppose this time next year you'll be talking about a World Cup so you'd wonder like we'll say whilst he's grand to be winning now and uh, putting up a performance and things like that then you're into the Six Nations then in February and March along and it's hard to keep the show on the road with injuries and the whole lot and then you have the uh, Heineken Cup with Munster, Leinster, Connacht and Ulster and players are certainly uh, a certainty to pick up injuries and that but I suppose we certainly have to mind uh, Johnny Sexton whilst he's 36 or 7 years of age uh, uh, an out half controls uh, an awful lot of the play because if the forwards are good he'll keep the ball in front of them whereas if the forwards are getting bet- the ball that he would get back he'll retain it in the back you know he's a wonderful player he's t- he has taken huge knocks oh, that. God, yeah. but uh, Conor Murray is on tonight uh, for his uh, 100 cap and uh, that's so look it's all systems go it's on television uh, I thought they might have played it in Croke Park because of uh, Croke Park maybe holding 82 or 85,000 people whereas uh, there won't be a match in Croke Park for maybe I until next February or March and uh, this is only the first week in November I thought they might have played it in Crow Park mm. and that but they have it in the Aviva which holds 50,000 people and there's nothing we can do about it and of course next weekend 
the big one Fran is in Cork uh, where uh, the uh, Munster are playing the uh, uh, South Africans mm. again in uh, Parky Keeve to Jayfield wow. did we ever think that we'd get it in we there with not. Frank Murphy and all of that but yeah. money uh, is the root cause of everything <laughs> and uh, they have a huge well they have a big bill down yeah, there they have huge bills so yeah. they have to get the crowd <laughs> in and when you have 50,000 people uh, uh, in in Parky Keeve at maybe uh, uh, 100 euro time and then you have television rights and you have uh, advertising and you have everything else that goes with it and of course uh, Munster would be hoping that they put up a huge show they'd want to be putting up a better show than what they're doing at the moment because it's disappointing with the way they're playing you know mm. but uh, nevertheless Parky Keeve next Thursday I'll be speaking to uh, Con Hogan a little later on from Semple uh, we had a few complaints during the week about access particularly for older people having to go up those steps there and you know that we're talking about the cost of it as well of course in this day and age and stuff um, any any thoughts on any of that yeah I don't find it too costly friend. I know yeah. a couple of the lads <laughs> can I say that no well yeah. you've said it though <laughs> that's it no I, I love going to the GA yeah. games you know there's great cracking uh, attached to them and that and uh, I always think of the county junior B final was it last year there when it was played above in Newport and uh, we came across there at the butt of uh, the hills there by McCormick's in uh, up in uh, Hollyford and uh, Rear Cross and the Rising Sun and uh, onto Ryan Rules and uh, and the Congo Bay oh, Mother of God above tonight I'll tell you one thing only just that I had my wits about me the driver hadn't a clue where he was going <laughs> but uh, look they were great days uh, and that I I, I loved the, the GA scene and all crack at him you know Right somebody said tell you it's Bill Fogarty's from Vincent O'Brien's um, Rose Green grandchild playing on the all our, uh, on the Ireland as That's tonight. Right, yeah, is tonight. that is that right? His name is uh, J- James. Is uh, it? Well, I'll tell you now. His name is uh, what's down there? Is it James? Jamie or James Jamie, Osborne from, Jamie Osborne that's yeah, right yeah. He's, yeah. son uh, of Paddy Osborne the horse yeah, so that's right yeah. and uh, he'd be a grandson of Bill Fogg he's a grandnephew of I think Billy's yeah. uh, in the ship uh, and that and so it is wonderful uh, to have local connections as such whilst he's playing Isn't with Leinster we'd still claim the, the breeding started <laughs> in Tipperary of course you we know. will tell Johnny uh, not to forget his beloved uh, Drum and Inch in the Camogie Munster semi-final Oh yeah Frank it's well. important that we'd mention the Drum and Inch girls because uh, they've been wonderful um, um, is it ambassadoresses oh, no ambassadors ambassadors oh. it's like there's not actress anymore it's uh, they're all actors oh for God's sake stop they're not women now you're See. going to me they're not women they're men <laughs> no, don't don't I even go, go you're not going there no but uh, yeah look it's marvellous uh, uh, for young Osborne and indeed uh, uh, all the young fellas that Craig uh, Casey is the scrum half tonight uh, and that's a huge occasion for him he's from Munster we'd love to see him doing well uh, because uh, uh, you'd need somebody to take over from Colin Murray in the next year or so or be there or there about so it is wonderful for them as well I suppose on the local rugby front uh, Cashel trying away their big game last weekend they were leading handy and the next thing is they were beaten by a pint uh, they, in my book trying it away uh, Clanmel got a bit of a trimming against uh, some crowd from Dublin and uh, of course Nina got a bonus pint uh so it was well done to them and uh, Kilfeekle of course won the first round of their All-Ireland competition that they won uh, 
two years ago when they beat I think the Sea Point above in Dublin uh, they were leading 29 nil at one stage but they came out then winning 29-21 so they're into a uh, quarter final of the All-Ireland at home on the hill maybe against Enniskillen mm. so uh, hopefully things will they, they, they look to be back on track again so it is uh, and of course then you have Clem Willem and Gelbel you know feathered outside are going well in, the, in their division in the rugby you know and Tullus are absolutely flying it over there and that's so oh, there's lots uh, happening Callie sure, of course. We better mention the, all the God, clubs. I'm say we have something against them all. And Newport, I'll stop the lights. <laughs> we've gone on forever. And, ever. and, and uh, for God's sake, say something nice about Mullen the Hone because oh, they're on to us straight away. Oh, God above tonight. They'll be on again. Is yeah. Johnny going to Mallow to see the Mullen the Hone ladies this Sunday? He hasn't forgotten again, I hope, it says here. <laughs> A big game. I love them. Yeah. We always get this. <laughs> That's right, yeah. We, oh, you'll get it in Mullen the Hone. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Fran, I suppose uh, it is amazing the way ye- the years go by, you know, We'll say uh, 30 years ago this weekend. Uh, we buried one of the all-time greats in Tipperary, Dick Ryan. He was a well-known greyhound trainer from Goals Cross. Indeed, Jerry McCarthy did say about him when Dick died, he says, I have a hunch deep down, he said, that in spite of all he won, he himself would have considered his greatest claim to fame to have put a little place called Goals Cross firmly on the map. Uh-huh. And Dick was one of those great characters. Right. He won the Waterloo Cup three times and everything else. But I suppose his wife, the Lord Melsner, she told me a story there that when... President de Gaulle died in uh, f- France. Mm. De Valera, of course, went to the funeral. Yeah. And uh, But the president of uh, Boris Lee Rugby Club was after dying, our uh, coursing club was after dying the same weekend. So Dick took off for Boris Lee. So, anyway, De Valera was back on Monday. <laughs> And Dick arrived back home and goes cross on Thursday. And she said to him at the door, she said, "'Tis amazing. De Valera could come back in two days from France, she says. And it took you five days, she says, uh, to come back from Boris Ali. From Boris Ali. Oh, that's absolutely but, uh, brilliant. You know, he was one of those great characters, you know. And I remember writing a few lines in the opening, a few lines where uh, it's the 6th of November in the year of 92. I have a sad story to tell unto you. It's about the man that we call the boss. His name was Dick Ryan and he comes from Gold's Cross. Uh, you know, and another part of it was he, uh, he was a great character and a great sportsman, no better in air on two feet ran. So marvellous hounds he put through his hands, no better was seen in these great lands. Uh, you'd always recognise him because he used to wear a jumper and pole and nick and he was a he, he used to love the old fag. It'd be always two inches of <laughs> ashes hanging off of it and, and, and a couple of hot God, you have a great memory. You did all that with no notes. Yeah, I yeah. Wish I I could remember, do that. Yeah, well, I wrote the thing, and the last few lines were: uh, "We thank the Ryan family for what you have done, the courses you have lost, and the courses you have won. Victory and defeat you have took in your stride. That is the truth. I have not lied. May that green sod of Clonalty lie gently tonight on a man who always enjoyed the fight, on a man who enjoyed the thrill of the chase." there'll never be anyone to tie his lace ah, and now that you you have crossed that great line thanks for the memories the one and only Dick Ryan ah fair mighty <laughs> speaking of mighty men we lost poor old Michael Heffernan as well yeah. that's right yeah, yeah. Fran, I went to his funeral on just uh, I'm worse than a TD <laughs> or a senator may I say or a councillor I went to his funeral yeah. in uh, Duala last Saturday he was a hundred years and uh, four months was he yeah he used yeah. to love step dancing and all of that you know and uh, a wonderful man he was and uh, of course uh, James De- uh, yeah James Devitt gave me the nod to know where I'd come 
a beck over. So over I went to him. He says, I want you, he says, to uh, take a tenner out of your pocket. He says, and be giving it to me now when Father Joe Egan, he said, is just finishing up the uh, burial. So I was just giving it to him and Father Joe Egan passed by and he said, I suppose, Johnny, he said, that's a deposit you're giving him. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Very good. So yeah. then we had to, uh, Jordan Dented a horse and hound and uh, we met our way then, of course, ran to that wonderful pub in, in Killinall, Johnny Kennedy's. My first time in it, you know, and there I met wonderful characters. But to meet Joe DeWire, uh, he was a wonderful Tipperary horror. Of course, I think he's an uncle of the great Bubbles, who was certainly one of the most stylist of horrors that we have produced in sure. the last few years, yeah. you know. And uh, lo and behold, we got talking, and of course we had run into each other, I'd say maybe I'm 68 now, I suppose the goods are 40 two or three years ago in a big interference match between Evan Moore, Creamery's and uh, Chadwick's and the two of us conked out but I still had a dinge on my leg so I was delighted to show it to Joe but we spoke talking and having to crack in that and Joe uh, d- d- I discovered Joe is a deep fat fryer man like myself oh I'll tell you unbelievable of like mind I said to him uh, how is he looking oh he's looking brilliant I said to him Joe I said you will shine on you I said tis either the Guinness or the deep fat fryer he said tis a bit of both he said I just his words were I horses <laughs> I horses the, the, the stuff into the deep fat fryer he says and not a bothering not a, not a screech I'll tell you by his picture of health and we spoke about that big uh, Limerick horror uh, there that was playing wing forward for Limerick Garot and mm. I know one thing. Mm. He might pass Joe once, but <laughs> definitely he'd be conked out a second time. <laughs> and either he was carried off or Joe was gone. But oh, uh, look, it is a wonderful uh, place up there as well, killing all. You know, uh, the Robins, of course, spot, are known it, yeah. as. I, I, I never, I, I suppose it's on account of the colours of the jersey. I think it's something to do with red breasts and that. Mm. But uh, it is a, a wonderful little place, killing all. You oh, know. That's great, yeah. I was in uh, Tullerone in uh, Kilkenny last night. I met some great people from the Commons from Ballingarry there. Oh, yeah, friend. They knew my father and my uncles and stuff. By God, above. And yeah. of course, friend, now, of course, Ireland is a wonderful country. Imagine mm. we're, let, we're letting off Eamon Ryan on his own. Yes. Out to some climate change. Yes. I mean, that's like putting a fox into mind the bloody chickens. How in the name of God... And he can in- sign us up to... To whatever. Yeah, to sign us up. Yeah. I mean, we done that in nineteen twenty-two, and it caused a bloody civil war. <laughs> you know, but well, like, when we sent Collins over, yeah. Really. I mean, like they didn't agree with him then when he came back, and did the same thing. Like Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael can say what they like. They are part and parcel of the Greens. So mm. if you're criticising the Greens, you're criticising Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael as well, because they're all the one. But I will say one thing about the farming community, friend. Mm. And I do admire them for the way that they can stand up and fight their corner. Oh, yeah. And if everybody done the same thing, things might be an awful lot better in this country. Mm. I mean, to think that Eamon Ryan got the freedom of the airwaves to say that if you're burdened turf as such, you could be fined... So 13,000 13, and two years and, and in two jail. years in prison mm. for burdening a bloody sodded turf at the foot of the Celties or above it beside uh, the Devil's Beat. And at the same time, drugs are rampant in mm. every village, town and city in Ireland. And the girls now, they're, they're giving the girls permission or something to have a genuine word with a fella for using cocaine. You it's know, all gone mad, you think? The whole thing has gone... What are, you, what are you burning out on the... 
Forbney Road. On the Forbney Road, I'm burning a bit of hash. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brian, I'm burning an old bit of... I, I burned a, a bit of turf if I can get my hands on it. And, and, uh, and, uh, I hope it's from your own plot. <laughs> and a knob of coal and things <laughs> like that. So we have to do it, otherwise, as the fellow says, friend, the whole you, thing is you, up You feel it. strongly about what's happening with the insurance companies. I mean, the oh, premiums I do, yeah, have Frank, risen 16%, see, I think, and uh, claims have dropped 44%. Yeah, but you see, that's all, and that's brilliant. Mm. And it's brilliant that the awards are down in the courts and the whole lot. Mm. But at the end of the day, what good is it to me or you when we're insured in our houses or cows mm. or whatever the case well, may the be? The premiums have gone up. The whole thing has gone up. Mm. So, uh, look, it's the usual. The insurance companies are making fortunes. And until somebody stands up, I mean, like, you had an oil company during the week, BP, that made something like £8.3 in the first uh, uh, six or seven months of the year. Eight, and they're only one oil company. Mm. So, like, somebody would want to be getting up and saying stop. They're just giving them the run of the whole bloody show. Yeah, they need to say stop for the insurance companies as well. They've been riding roughshod over us all for, for, for so long indeed. That's right, Jack. Uh, thanks, Johnny. It says Dick Ryan, the greatest dog trainer ever, and to his wonderful wife, Nancy. And that comes up from Tommy uh, O'Foreman, who's listening to us uh, today as well. My God, so it's amazing. Go. Yeah, friend, I love thinking of the past, you know, uh, and that they have a lovely uh, tribute to him when you're going through Goals Cross, friend, uh, for the Cashel. Now, you're coming from Clonolty, mm. we'll say, on a, up over the bridge in Goals Cross, and you're going in by a juicy Joe. Moors there at the shop one time and then you had Kindy's uh, the pub that's gone as well but uh, just as you pass there's an old handball alley there and you come to Dick Ryan's uh, house on the left hand side but there's a grand plaque up on the wall uh, and that and you uh, uh, there was wonderful writing on it but I was asked to write the last four lines of it I said when sportsmen gather they'll always acclaim the deeds of the men and their glorious names the deeds of the man with the polar neck and cap Dick Ryan was the man who put Goals Cross on the map. <laughs> Is that on the flag? Yeah, that's on the uh, flag, yeah. So, uh, yeah, look, I was delighted, you know. But I suppose, friend, as we're talking about Dick Ryan and that, you know, I mean, like, you can picture the scene, like, we'll say uh, the first four in the family born were four girls. Now, Mrs. Ryan told me this herself, the Lord of Mercy on Nancy. And there were four girls. And lo and behold, then, young Dick arrives on the scene. So old Dick was going off getting ready, going off to a greyhound meeting on Stevens's day, and young Dick was there. He's about three years of age, and uh, old Dick was gone through Borlehan and on to Duell and going heading for uh, uh, seven houses or some place. And the next thing is, uh, it suddenly dawned on him that he was after forgetting young Dick, his <laughs> pride and joy. So back he went with the modest minor van and care, whatever it was, and uh, uh, to pick him up. And he put his arms around the young fellow and he said, "Tudn't do it to forget him, is it? The only dog pup in the litter. <laughs> 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 but that's oh, the character no. he was, you know. And, and that, so the do, do you want to have a word about Father Sean Sheehy and all the controversy during the week? I what I what did you make of it Look, right now, the says, people out there, look, should who are we to criticise anyone? You know, mm. I mean, it could be our own children, sons, daughters, whatever the yeah. case may be. And life goes on and it's not the end of the world. But like, that does things you, that you can say with respect mm. and things that you have to have respect for everybody out there. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be the holiest guy in the world. The, the, the Bible, I tried to read it a couple of times, but I got lost in, you get lost in it. Bear you, bear you, you bring 20 fags with you into the, the parlour in an old house and you sit down and read the Bible 
and no grandchildren or children around or no televisions, no nothing. And you're trying to get it in. 20 your... cigarettes with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to call you read it. You have but, to... you, but you are spiritual, Johnny. I mean, you. you oh, I do, you yeah. Say I, the I, do. I consider it bad luck if I don't kneel down every night to say a couple of prayers. Because I'm a funny feet. And you see, if I won't do it, I'm myself convinced that I, that, uh, I could wake up dead. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying that's wrong. <laughs> no, uh, I'm not, I, I, no you, you, I might you, wake up at all. That's what I mean. Might wake up you, I mean, you couldn't wake up dead. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I look. Um, yeah, I would. Yeah. Uh, would you? Pray for my amazing, mother and uh, grandfathers and grandmothers and the mother-in-law who supplied me with her daughter and the father-in-law and all that kind of thing. I bring them all in. So you think of them all? I, well, I do when I'm thinking of the father-in-law and mother-in-law. I said, Jesus, we have mercy on him. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Johnny. Are you heading for a public course, house over the weekend? Uh, I probably, look, I, 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 I could be in Tullus tonight, I think. I have a big evening enough. I have to bring a, a lady to the station in the junction. Then I have to uh, bring Lucy, my granddaughter, up to Dundrum for uh, the athletics on a Friday night's our first night oh, up yeah. there. We're only entering her because we think she can run. Uh, I think she's fairly handy at the running so I just want to be uh, say that my mind is right about her and uh, then I'll head for Tullus uh, there's not a bit of a charity night on in Noel Ryan's pub in Tullus oh, so I have to go good. there as well. So I've a bloody uh, busy weekend. Of course the county board draws on in Denzies in Rose Green and since I uh, lost my phone I got back then I lost about 60 numbers and if he's listening Tim Floyd I've lost your number and I've no <laughs> Tim Floyd now is jumping up and down <laughs> yeah. with Lee and I've saying. lost an S Lord thanks for the Godfrey uh, and that's I've to try well I'll tell you what I'll, I'll give you Tim Floyd's number <laughs> <laughs> and of course we have a new CEO in Tipperary now uh, yeah. we're running the second or third county in Ireland uh, I can't think of his name he's from Lockmore Castellani and the very best of luck to him I think he takes over from Tim Floyd and that who has done, I don't care what Mighty anybody work. says, joking aside, marvellous service in Tipperary. That's for you know, for uh, absolute absolutely certain, top yeah. class. And he's so put up with you name checking him every single yeah, week. Our class, so yeah, he's one of the all time greats, you know. So, somebody saying, I agree with uh, Mr. Luby this morning. There's Posh, you know, honesty is the uh, honesty is the government trying to get rid of everything that makes us Irish, banning turf, paying farmers to cull suckling. Uh, cows reduced livestock opening uh, electricity so high and uh, the fabulous butchers in Bursley forced to close down in uh, turn uh, threatening the heart of country communities I'd vote for Mr Luby to run for office well yeah I, I'd go as independent you would know you? I would yes I'm certainly thinking of doing it you know and just maybe uh, I'd be up front I never know it. when you're serious or not yeah I am know? yeah like we'd say I, I, I'd have to free travel to go to Dublin so I wouldn't be costing the people uh, uh, anything in expenses and I presume that and I'm not saying that they're not entitled to it but I presume the TDs the expenses went up and the senators and everybody else oh, uh, since the price of diesel went up you know and I can't understand like that's a small thing I can't understand like if you have a job uh, teaching in Dublin Mm. and you're living in uh, Tullus yes. and you get the train up every morning it costs you a few pounds mm -hmm. so if your job is in Dublin that's it and that's your own problem like yeah is the yeah. TD's job not in Dublin as well should they not be or sh should they be getting expenses to go to Dublin no why because that's but their the, work but I, I don't get expenses but the, to teachers, the teachers their work is in Dublin as well and they have to pay their I know, 20 yeah. or 25 euro I know I must, I must see and the TD's got expenses even during Covid 
when nobody was doing anything. Just stop, just stop. Anyway. I, I'll tell you, listen, I better, I don't know. Be is, off. Is there any pub open out there? I could have a quick pint, <laughs> a terrible quick pint in. Let, yeah. it, let us know. 083 oh, three, double one, oh, double listen, three, finally, double one. Yes. Mrs. Liam Quirk outside there in near Clareham. Mm. We've lost the number the whole lot, but myself, I better word English phrases right, Catton and I, we shall be down some morning during the week for the lovely brown bread. Friend, homemade brown oh, bread. Oh, sounds gorgeous. Well, you know, and a, a, a round, like uh, t- what do they call it? The round squares. Yeah, with the cross on them. That's right. Uh, unbelievable. Well, now, Nancy Ryan was the greatest of all for make, for making them for the greyhounds. Imagine giving them to the greyhounds. Lovely brown bread. Brown bread, bread to yeah. the greyhounds? Yeah. Are you serious? I'm though? serious about it. Yeah. Just Dick's wife, Nancy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Good luck, Johnny. I know you wouldn't feed a greyhound like that, would you? <laughs> right, Frank. Good luck, Johnny. Good luck, bye. Bye. bye The great Johnny Louie. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Please tell Johnny Luby to run in the election. Honestly, we need the voice of reason in office. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. Be very careful what you wish for the great Johnny Louis. Can you imagine him in Leinster House um, sitting beside the Healy Rays and all the crack that will be going down? Um, Yeah, I promised to say hello to young Shane Delaney because I met him last night in Shawnee's Bar in Tullerone and he is a credit to his family. He came up to say hello and we chatted away for uh, quite a while and uh, he was telling me the only thing he's interested in is farming. And when he leaves school, that's all he wants is farming, farming, farming. But he's 10 years of age and he was great company last night and a lovely young lad, as I say, a credit to his family. Great to bump into so many Tipperary people in County Kilkenny last night as well. Now, there's been great anger, disappointment and confusion within the community of Templemore the last few weeks when the OPW decided to withdraw the use of the Garda College swimming pool for the public. Um, a Facebook campaign was set up where people can express their opinions and Deirdre Ryan is the founder of that page. Uh, it's called We Just Want to Swim at Temple Moor. Deirdre joins me now. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Good morning, and How are you? I'm very well indeed. Great to talk to you again. You um, a protest this weekend, Deirdre? Yes, a protest uh, tomorrow at uh, 2.45. We're all meeting in the uh, church car park in Temple Moor. And we're going to march down the town with uh, hundreds of banners that we've been making over the last couple of days. And we're going to march to the gates of the Garda College. And there we'll have uh, a few speeches. And let the Garda College and the OPW and all the ministers who stayed silent, we're going to let them know how we really feel in Templemore. Since we last spoke, has the pool been closed down altogether, Deirdre? Yes, it's 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 uh, essentially it's been closed since last June, um, but it's absolutely closed. Nobody has any keys for it. Um, it's uh, it's shut down on their uh, website. I believe it says it's permanently closed. Um, so yeah, uh, things have moved fast. 
Haven't they indeed? And have you had any more clarity? Because we, we got some statements, but it looked like the OPW was passing it back to the Gardaí and the Gardaí to the OPW. Have you any more clarity on that? No, surprisingly. Uh, no, we have no more clarity. It's definitely passing the book time. Um, look, they have come out and said they're closing it for energy reasons. And, and look, we can work with that. Uh, of all reasons, I think that's something re- we can really work with. Uh, Eamon Ryan has for years, along with this government, been telling people in our homes to change how we look at electricity, change how we look at energy, put solar panels on your roof, switch to air to water heat pumps. And then when one of their own government buildings are faced with an increase in cost, what do they do? Only shut it down. They don't take any of the advice or the experience of Eamon Ryan. They just shut it down. So we can work with that. Do you, do you, that's not right. Do you think the people who are making the decisions around this are aware of the importance of the use of the pool to not just Templemore but to the locality? No, they can't. Because if they understood even a little bit of it, they would realise that this decision is going to affect thousands of children in the area thousands of children in the area will not learn water safety will not learn how to swim they won't understand or appreciate the dangers of being around water and I think if they understood that then this decision is a no brainer you don't close the pool you figure out sustainable efficient ways to run that pool so it doesn't impact the community in which the college belongs to Will you have public representatives uh, featuring in the, in that protest march tomorrow? Yes, I mean, uh, we're hoping to have Jackie Cal TD, uh, Michael Lowry TD. Um, we're hoping to have uh, RTE down there to cover it so it can go on the news. Um, and we've had lots of, uh, privately, we've had lots of support. We've had huge support from Water Safety Ireland, which... Uh, really is the, the pinnacle of water safety in Ireland. And they have spoken about this long tradition mm. of teaching Gardaí in the swimming pool to yeah. keep the Gardaí safe and to keep the public safe. And they're absolutely bewildered at this decision and they're fighting our corner too. Well, it will be interesting to uh, see what comes out of that protest march uh, tomorrow, Deirdre. Uh, what time are you kicking off at, did you say? Uh, 2.45, quarter to three. And this is just one of many protests organised. We have another one organised fairly shortly uh, after tomorrow. Um, But this is just the first of many. All right, well, we'll be following your progress. Deirdre, good to talk to you today. Thank you. Best of luck tomorrow. Thank you. Good morning to you. Deirdre Ryan there of uh, that uh, protest uh, group and uh, it's uh, We Just Want to Swim Temple More on Facebook if you want to uh, join there or indeed find out more detail about what's going on there as well. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. 
Now, we brought you the story yesterday. We thought it was a kind of a, an amusing little story that Mars Wrigley is to remove bounty bars from its celebrations. Chocolate tubs in a pre-Christmas trial in the UK. Now, the UK trial comes after a survey found that 39% of consumers want the coconut flavour treats axed for good. Now, we thought, as I say, it was amusing. It was a light little thing to give us a little break from all of the serious stuff that uh, was going on. So we asked our listeners their thoughts on this yesterday. It caused pandemonium. And it it, it also resulted in a huge divide amongst uh, listeners as well. Robert joins me now. Robert, good morning to you. Morning, friends. Really good to talk to you today. You have strong feelings about this, Robert. Oh, I, I have a very, very strong feelings on this bounty bar crisis that's happening across the water at the moment. <laughs> you love the bounty bar, do you? I do. I, I, I think, you know, there, there, there's much worse bars that they could be getting rid of, such as the Mars, maybe even the Milky Way. And I don't know why they're fixing on the humble bounty. I don't know either, because I love the bounty bar, I must say. But um, seemingly 39% of the consumers that they polled wanted it axed uh, for good over there. Now, the good news is, I don't think it will extend to Ireland. I think it's a, a different situation here. No, we're, maybe the North Island Post Corps could be kind of helping us there now. But, you know, um, we have to be very concerned that there could be a bit of bounty bar smuggling going across the border <laughs> if... Uh, you know, if, if this does extend over to the north. So we have to be wary now over here. There could be a very bad precedent being set. Absolutely, yeah. Fellas could be heading over with suitcases full of bounties just to... I know. Uh, for a black over. market in London somewhere. Yeah. Could you imagine it? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> I, I wonder, has Brexit anything to do with this? And are you genuinely, are you genuinely now a fan of, of bounty bars? I actually am. I've actually always liked the bounty bar. And it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a niche opinion nowadays, it seems, to like the coconut one. Everyone else is a bigger fan of the, uh, the Snickers and the, uh, what's it, the Maltese. Right. Um, I, you see, the trouble is I like them all. That's, that's, <laughs> that explains <laughs> the cut of me as well. And would you buy those uh, tubs of celebrations around Christmas time? They would. Uh, they, they would probably my preferred kind of tub now I get during the Christmas season. Right. And would you have a fair old go in one sitting? I mean, would you? Look, you know, it kind of depends on the day, but usually, yeah, you you kind of would. They're just too good, you know. Right. Too good to leave around there. and uh, Yeah. Um, let me see. I think Barry is with us as well. Barry, good morning to you. Hi, friend. Barry, you have strong feelings about bounty bars as well. I do. And I was listening to the gentleman you had on before, and he, he didn't go far enough. He's talking about smuggling operations. I think there's going to be war, riots in the streets, mass deportations, absolute chaos. We'll be walk, waking up and going to sleep to the sound of sirens. 30 years later, someone's going to be dragged to the Hague, and we're all going to be wondering how we let it happen. We can stop this now. Barry, are you all right? <laughs> Me? Oh, I, I'd be, I was fine. Everything was fine. Ukraine war, inflation was grand until I heard about this bounty bar thing. You have to draw a line somewhere. You have to have standards. Now, you, you don't like the bounty bars, do you? I do. I think they're great. All right, OK, right. I'm just reading this this in front of me here. I thought you didn't like them. So you oh, love no, them. Oh, no, no. OK. I do, yeah. I, I, like I said, I'm like that guy before, except he doesn't go far enough. Right, OK. That's Robert, by the way. Hi, Robert. OK. Yeah, well, maybe so... maybe the two of you could get together and we could sort of have a revolt of some, some kind. Oh, it's, this is going to take organisation on the ground. There's no doubt about it. Right, I see. A what... series of individuals are not going to fix this. It's like, you know, like, to paraphrase Martin Niemöller, you know, first they came for the bounty bars, and I said nothing because I was not a bounty bar. <laughs> Where's it going to end? 
I don't know. I, I think everybody's gone nuts. Do you know? That? <laughs> no, and just no, no. Okay, just logically. Okay, forget about my exaggeration for a humorous effect, right. right? Just logically, even if they do get rid of it, yes, right. That's just going to create another least favorite one. Ah. Right? So what are they going to do then? Get rid of that one, and they keep going and going and going and until all the little Irish kids have empty boxes under their trees. That's no, not going to be cruel, is it? They're not no, going to like no that. No celebrations. What is the one you don't like? I like them all. Really? I know I like them all as well. Robert, yeah. what about you? Have you one that you don't like? Oh, I'm still eating now for the last one. Right, which, uh, sorry, we lost you just at the start. Oh. What, what, which one do you, do you not like? The Milky Way one. Oh, the now. Milky Way. I wouldn't eat it, but right. it wouldn't be the first one I'm eating. Right, okay. And and uh, Barry is saying that he'd eat them all, so it doesn't it doesn't matter one yeah. way or the other. Yeah. And and tell me this, uh, Barry, do you have any sort of issues with the fact? I mean, I was warned lately about my blood sugar levels and all of that. Does that bother you when you're eating your celebrations? I'll be honest. I have type two diabetes. You have type two diabetes. Yeah, and I don't know if there's a connection between the amount of sugar I was eating and the type two diabetes. Like I, I know correlation isn't causation, but I don't want to get into that on on, the, on today's show. Right. But but like w- with that condition, are you still eating celebrations? No, I had to stop. Oh, you had. To that's stop. why this. That's why this means so much to me. It's not about me. It's about the concept. It's about the principle. It's, not everything's about me. It's friend. bigger than you. It's bigger than you, yeah, it's Barry. Bigger than me. Yeah. Let me tell you a story. Don't tell you a real yeah, life yeah, story. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. I knew a girl once, right? Okay. And she hated bounty bars. Okay. They'd always be the last left at the bottom of the box, almost passive aggressively left at the bottom of the box after Christmas. That. You know, yeah. her whole family was the same. And do you know where she is now? <laughs> I'm afraid to ask. Go on. Where is she? I don't know either because I divorced her. <laughs> because of the bounty bar? Well, again, correlation isn't causation. It's not up to me to make these connections. <laughs> And he's actually academics. I see. What about that, Robert? I mean, would that damage a relationship if, uh, you know, if your better half didn't like the, the old bounty? Well, it definitely wouldn't be a plus in the relationship anyway. Would <laughs> She'd have to like like the odd bounty bar. No, just the odd bounty bar now, you know. You wouldn't be forced to eat them anyway. Right. Our Shay here says it's definitely going to end up with being mutiny on the bounty this time. For sure. You- yeah, yeah. So are you two going to get together in some way and maybe form some sort of organisation that are pro-bounty and maybe go for a seat in the, the Shannon or something like that? That's not a bad idea. I mean, the local elections are coming up. Maybe we could get a, a, a pro-bounty majority on Tipperary County Council to start anyway. Absolutely, for for sure. What, what do you think, Barry? Would you go for that? Would you go on this ticket into politics? I don't know. Uh, Robert there doesn't, I don't think he has the stones for it. He's, he, it's very weak. He's kind of, you know, I mean, I... I Robert, I are you insulted him. by that? I am, I am absolutely insulted by that. Absolutely. <laughs> You've just insulted the other member of your team now, Barry. What are you going to do? Team, wait a second now. When did this become a team? What, what, we're trying our best here, Barry. We're trying our best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, look, it looks like it's not happening here, so we needn't panic immediately, but there certainly is a black market for this in, in, in London, I would imagine. Definitely. We have, we have absolutely over here, I think. All right. Very good indeed. So we'll look out to our election cards as well. There might be a, there might be a bounty candidate on there somewhere. Look after yourselves, guys. Enjoy your, your bounty bars over the weekend. Thank you. All good right. Bye-bye, Barry. Bye-bye, Robert. It's amazing, isn't it? It really has people sort of 
you know, up in arms about this. Uh, but anyway, don't worry. If you love the Bounty Bar, they're still in the Irish tubs of celebrations. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Good morning, Pat. Uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Some good news. Bridget was on to us to say she uh, wants to thank uh, everybody involved with the show for the shout out about Sheppy and Sheppy is uh, Bridget's dog who went missing last Saturday in Dalla after the fireworks there and uh, Bridget wants to say big uh, thanks to uh, her great neighbour Tom Carey from the mines um, who having heard the announcement on the show yesterday spotted Sheppy while out working on his land and he was trapped in a ditch in a snare can you believe thankfully the wire on it was smooth and it didn't cut in to Sheppy so he wasn't injured now he is a bit shaken as you can imagine having uh, been restricted in that condition for the last few days with the wind and rain pouring in on him as well but uh, Bridget goes on to say we're delighted now to have him back and thankfully he's on the road to recovery so we need a, a happy story so well done Bridget and uh, welcome back to Sheppy as well 1800 now we've been hearing from some of our listeners about issues with Semple Stadium over the last few days and I'm delighted to be joined now by the chairman of the Semple Stadium Management Committee Con Hogan Con good morning to you Good morning, Fran. And thanks very much indeed for coming on with us, Con. Um, first of all, can I get a bit of clarity um, about the running of the stadium? Um, is it completely separate from GAA HQ, Con? GAA HQ? Uh, Semper Stadium is, a, is um, a standalone friendly society company. Um, but in practice, Semper Stadium and the county board work together. And um, for instance, the the decision-making group, if you like, is 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 the 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 stadium chairman, myself, and the chairman of the county board, secretary of the county board, treasurer of the county board, and the stadium manager David Morgan. So, but technically, it's actually separate. All right, very good indeed, because there seemed to be just a lack of clarity about that with some of our listeners uh, during the week as well, so thanks for that. Um, some of the issues brought up, Con, I'm not sure if you, if you heard some of some of the uh, people on Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, did. The, the mobility issues and the buggies and facilities and access for people and the steps yeah. and the like yeah. of that. Well, what about that, first of all? Well, the, the, I suppose the main issue there is disabled access, you know. Mm. And um, the disabled access in Central Stadium is at ground level. And it works perfectly in fine weather. We never get a complaint about it until we get rain. Mm. Basically, people can get out of their cars, come in at ground level, come in through the tunnel at Ardon or Ian, and um, the wheelchairs can park along at the front of the stand and the accompanying people sit on the seats be- behind them. Mm. And it works perfectly. And the toilets are at that level as well. We never get a complaint, even when when the place is packed about, about um, uh, disabled access. The problem 
happens when there's rain. Right. Because the the um, roof of the stand, like any stand, uh, doesn't really extend out to cover not alone the wheelchair area, but a number of the seats behind it. So there's really nothing we can do beyond pretty major expenditure. What you'd have to do is put in a lift and bring people up to the back of the stand, put in a designated wheelchair area and a toilet area and whatever you'd have to do to comply with the regulations in that respect. So that's a hugely expensive project and not one that we can uh, budget for at the moment. And are there any long-term plans to look at that? Well, well, there are. Um, Firstly, I would say that we're carrying out a full engineering study of the um, stadium at the moment. Uh, Consulting engineers, Horgan Lynch, are doing that. And I hope to have a report by the end of the year. Now, as you know, we spent 17 million on it in the noughties in the stadium. And I'd say we could spend another 10 now um, in, in upgrading it. And certainly... Um, when the next upgrade happens, we will put in uh, high-level, if you like, wheelchair access. Um, so that's, I suppose, the, the situation there. Now, we do have planning permission in the um, Canaan stand mm. for a whole upgrade of that area. But again, um, that has had to be put on the long finger because of um, <clears throat> because of funding um, issues. And in that plan, uh, we do have provision for a lift and wheelchair access at a high level. Uh, The the only answer is to bring people up to the back of the stand rather than out the front. Right, and and that's in a long-term plan, but as you yeah. say, it would be expensive. Yeah. Um, the the other thing was uh, that one of our listeners described seeing, you know, elderly gentlemen on sticks and the like having to mount the ste- steps. Well, to, it's the same you know. problem. Yeah. You know, it's the same problem. Um, uh, ideally, people like that should be able to go up on the lift. But, you know, no. uh, it's the exact, and it's the same problem with buggies as well. Right. Now, but, I would say one thing about buggies, you know, like there's really an issue about bringing buggies into any stand because you don't want buggies, uh, we'll say, out on the, out on the steps, um, obstructing steps and that. You know, ideally, um, if people can do it at all with small babies, they should bring them in in their arms. But that's that's very hard to do for, oh, for it a is. few oh, don't, hours. Don't, I know. Don't, yeah. don't I know. Well, could, could there be any way that there would be a, a, a facility there to, to put the buggies in temporarily or something, uh, rather than cluttering walkways and stuff? Well, you certainly can't clutter walkways, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, funny enough, it's not a problem that I've come up against. Uh, in the past. I've never had that complaint about buggies before. Mm. Um, but look, it's it's something we'd... If we were doing the lift solution, we'd, we'd incorporate all that stuff into it. Right, because you want to be family friendly, don't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. So the whole idea of the GA is that, I mean, I have I've infant grandchildren myself. I know exactly what the what the story is. Right, well, I'm sure you're aware then to, to have a baby in your arms for a couple of hours <coughs> well, would, would be tough. Yeah. You'd, you'd want somebody with you. Yeah, so some of the smaller things, but I mean important things, like lights in, in the disability toilet, for example. Michelle O'Shea was telling us about that. Yeah, and, right. and it's been like that for some time, seemingly. I'm surprised at that, to be 
honest with you, but uh, suffice it to say that the bulb has been replaced. Now, by the way, just to get things clear for next Sunday, all the activity this weekend is in the Canaan stand. Yes. The Orient stand is closed. The reason for that is that uh, we have blood, blood clinics in the dome over the weekend. So, and the, the parking will be given over to that at the back of the stand. So everybody going to matches on Saturday and Sunday uh, will be going to uh, the Canaan stand. And we're asking them to come early and park. There's adequate parking facilities in, in, in Morris Park. Right. We want to, and, and wheelchair access will be through the ambulance door. And again, we'll have the same situation there. We'll have uh, people with the wheelchairs will be in the, in the front of the stand. They'll come through the tunnel and there is a, there is a, um, a toilet, a wheelchair toilet. Right. And there are baby changing faci- facilities as well. Uh, which are signposted. Because we heard again about the baby changing facilities that there was no lights in that room either. So, so I heard, yeah. yeah. But look, I can assure you there are for Sunday. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned the Orient stand there. I know it's not open this, this coming Sunday. But we had complaints that the, the PA system wasn't audible in the Orient Stadium, uh, in the That's Orient stand. The, the, my understanding is that the, where the PA system wasn't audible was the, was in the, the Canaan stand, and that there wasn't a problem in the audience. Look, we have a person who, who services the PA system, mm. and um, we put a lot of work into it this year. It's working very well. But what can happen that an amplifier can be down right. in a section, and that's probably what's happened there, and we're having it checked out. Right, okay. But it could have been that, and you think that it's as simple as getting that back up and running again. Oh, yeah, yeah. The other one was the scoreboard, and seemingly one of the scoreboards is broken for about a year, according to one. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was old technology, and we don't want to replace like with like there. So what we've been doing all this year for all the big matches, we brought in uh, a big screen, and and uh, that's at the town end now. And uh, that's how we handled that problem. But in the meantime, we've been um, looking for a sponsor for a big screen. So instead of putting in the old technology, <clears throat> we'd go to a new, a totally new system where you'd have a big screen at the town end. Now, we've secured a sponsor for that, and we'll have that in in the new year. You're talking about in excess of €150,000. Um, but uh, in the meantime, the scoreboard that's there, the problem there is quite simple. That, that there's, there's a particular time in the afternoon, this time of the year, where the sun shines straight into the mm. into the pitch, and you just you can't see the scoreboard. But the poor guys trying to take freeze, or the goalies have a problem there as well. You know, right? Is a lot of that due to the ti- the timing of the game as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, sure. I mean, you're talking about late afternoon, yeah. on, a, on a you know, and at a particular point in the afternoon, the sun just shines dead into the into your eyes. There's not much we can do about that. And even, I can tell you, when we have a, a new scoreboard up at the town end side, that can become difficult to see as well. But at least you'll have two of them. And you will have two of those new new scoreboards? No, no, we'll have one. You'll have one, OK. And, and we'll, the, we'll, the continue other one... with the, we'll continue with the old one for the moment. Right. Uh, at the, at the Kilainen end. But, uh, the, you know, the long-term 
plan would be to replace that with a proper scoreboard right. as well. And will they be compatible with each other? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll make them compatible. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> the, the other thing, Con, is cash. Cash being king and all of that, particularly with older people. And again, a lot yeah, of yeah. the options are online. I guess you hear this complaint quite a lot. We do, anyway, for sure. Yeah. What yeah. about that, Con? Can anything be done there? Well, the, the move all over the GA and I guess all over sport generally has been to move to cashless. And while you get some complaints, by and large, it has been very successful. And, um, you know, um, people have to do a bit of pre-planning. And, where, you know, where all the people are, find it difficult to use that kind of technology, in general, what they're doing is they're getting somebody to do it for them. But we're not really experiencing major problems with that. Now, obviously, you will get some individual complaints, and it's quite understandable with people who have never used cashless um, technology. But from an overall administration point of view, it's it's way better. Mm. Well, I'm not sure, because we've gotten quite a few complaints about yeah, it, but, but yeah. you're not hearing that. Not, not to the extent that we think it's it's a problem, and and just to say that this has been done nationally. It's not only mm. in Tipperary. Mm. Okay, but there's there's no rolling back on this. This is the way no, forward. No, no, that's it? that's the way forward. Cash well, is no longer king. Right. Well, ex- except for people like me, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> um, there's a couple of things in here as well. Uh, would you ask, Con, why Semple is the only stadium apart from Croke Park where nobody is allowed onto the pitch, not even subs are allowed to play at half-time? This happens nowhere else. It's a disgrace, and yet they can have double headers, etc. in bad weather. That's in from uh, Joe today. Now, I know people did, did go onto the pitch uh, yeah. last week. The, the, whole, the whole idea is to try and preserve the pitch for players. Um you the, the more people you get on the pitch, the more compaction you get, and all that. Just a, it's a it's a headache. Semple Stadium has a massive number of games in it, and and trying to protect it is is really an issue. Now the other thing is there's a safety issue. There is just nothing as dangerous as young people poking balls about in an uncontrolled way with a crowd on the field. Now everybody says lovely, it was lovely to see it. You know, it's highly, highly dangerous. You think of the young lad in Kilkenny that was killed this year. He got, he got killed by a ball hitting him in the neck. Mm. And, and just imagine that in Central Stadium. Yeah, it, it, it's just it was such a great tradition, I suppose. Oh, it people, was a great tradition, but unfortunately so it's a dangerous one. Yeah. Uh, somebody saying also in Semple on big monster match days, the disabled parking at the back of the newsstand is used for VIP parking who are not disabled. Well, there's VIP parking in the back of the stand, but the, the, the um, disabled parking is handled there as well, or in the VEC at the back of the dome, and people just come through the dome. It's all, again, it's all flat on the level. Mm. And the use for VIPs? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, we wouldn't... The, the, the maximum number of, of um, wheelchairs we'd have would be maybe maybe 30, you know? Right. So just, so, just parking for over 100 there. All right. Another thing, is, as a listener that needs attention, is the seats in the old stand, especially that it needs cleaning. That's John from Nina. Yeah, that's a funny one. We, we clean the seats before all games. Now maybe not smaller games, but for all 
games where you're expecting full full occupancy. We go about and clean the scenes. But unfortunately, the pigeons and the birds um, can decide on Saturday evening or Sunday morning to, to visit. And, uh, you know, that just can happen. And we'd always have, have paper. If people just talk to us, too, we'd get, 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 get things cleaned. Uh, somebody else is saying why the shops and the programmes are cash only and the gates are card only. Well, we're moving, I can tell you, in the um, we're moving in the shops to, to, to cashless uh, as quickly as we can get the technology in. And and when do you think that that will end up happening? Well, we have we have I would say most of the shops, not all of them now, but most of the top shops have cashless technology in them, and um, you get a you get a kind of an age divide there as well. Most young people don't have cash, mm. so if you don't have cashless facilities, they can't buy. So we, I'd say we have eighty percent of the shops now. In, with cashless facilities in them. All right. Uh, another listener says, why can't they block off the view in the men's toilet in the newsstand? Everybody can see the men going to the toilet from outside. It's disgusting. In the newsstand? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. You're, you're, um, you're not aware of that, obviously. Well, I'm not. I mean, look, it's, it's, a, it's a screened-off area. I suppose if people try to look in, they can, but... Mm-hmm. You've got to remember that you're in a kind of a very public place with thousands of people. And um, I, I would say that in, in in more stand areas, if you really want to look in, you can, but you don't have to. It it sounds to me, Connor, are, are you frustrated by people making ah, no, comments? I don't know. I, I think it's very important that people would make, would, 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 um, would, feel they should make comments and could make comments. And we, and we do. We, we write to people and we try to respond as best we can. But you, you have to remember that we have an old, we have an old stadium mm. and everything isn't perfect. Mm. And um, we're also constrained by, by funding limitations. And uh, we do our best to try and help people. We have a name for being a friendly stadium and we look after our patrons as best we can and we'd always try and do that. Um, what plans have you for fundraising? Because it looks like you you need some major fundraising. Yeah, I, we 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 have to go into that in a pretty big way. Um, I, I would say in the new year we have to really sit down and look at putting a fundraising set up together and looking for uh, major GA funding, state funding, all of that. You know. Mm. Do you, do you need something as big as what you had at the end of the 80s into the 90s there? Do you need something that well, big? Well, we had it, the, the, it was really the early 2000s. Mm. Um, I'd say we need about, I, I really don't know, but I think, I, I know I could spend 10 million there if I had it. Right. So that's it's a lot of money. That's the kind of money you're talking about here. Yes, it's the kind of money we're talking about, yeah. yeah. All right, just to repeat for Sunday then again, just uh, what's happening with the stand there. It's just a Canaan stand, is it? It's Canaan stand only, parking in the um, in in Morris Park, uh, access, disabled access through the ambulance door. Um, I suppose that's it. There's just another thing that we're doing that I might as well mention now. Um, we had complaints from the neighbours about dust and uh, the, the the area at yeah. the back of the Canaan stand mm. was... Uh, isn't isn't tired. Mm. So we have we had an agreement for the last 
few years with the county council to do that. But again, because of COVID and funding, uh, that was held up. But it's now been done, and that area is going to be completely tarmacked. It should be done by the end of the year, but with the weather the way it is, I'm not sure. But it'll be done in the immediate future. All right, Con. Well, we appreciate your time today and for addressing all, some Con. of those the, those uh, concerns. Thanks, yeah, Con. Look after yourself. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. all bye-bye. the best. Bye bye, John. It's Con Hogan there as chairman of Sample Stadium Management Committee, 1800 The text and WhatsApp is 083 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Along with every media outlet in the country over the last number of days, we had a huge reaction to the sermon given during Mass in Listowel last weekend. The priest who delivered the homily Father Sean Sheehy has defended the controversial comments which he made during the sermon at St. Mary's Church in Listowel, saying that he was preaching the Word of God and all priests are obligated to do so. And I'm glad to say that Father Sean Sheehy joins me now. Good morning to you, Father Sean. Oh, good morning. How are you? I'm very well indeed. And uh, more importantly, how are you? What is it like to be at the centre of the storm all week? I, I, It just doesn't make sense to me. You <laughs> see... You know, it can be overwhelming, I suppose, in a way, and it's certainly something that I certainly never, never wanted, you know, uh, at all. But uh, it, obviously, as people have said to me, you know, you must have touched it. Must have touched a nerve somewhere, and you know, I really had to sit down and say, "My gracious me!" You know, um, it, did what I did what I say uh, contradict the scriptures or contradict the teaching of the church and i mean i had to to say no it does not and i thought well you know why then is this so controversial and so on so uh interestingly enough you know i did experience um a piece as well that said look like saint peter says in his letter better to be criticized you know for doing something you know that's in accord with god's will rather than doing something that's wrong so i said look and my job as a priest, obviously, is that I'm obligated, you know, to 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 teach or to preach what the catechism teaches and what the scriptures teach. So, I guess that's my whole foundation at the present moment. And I certainly did not want to hurt anybody or to offend anybody. Then again, I suppose you know, the nat- as a priest said to me one time, he said, you know, you can't really preach the gospel anymore because it might offend someone. So maybe that's the culture. Maybe it is it, it, it's. It actually highlights the nature of the modern culture that exists today, vis-a-vis the church. Because I asked, I asked actually an interviewer. I said, mm-hmm. "Why did why was Jesus nailed to the cross?" And he tried to evade it, but finally he said, "Well, because his agenda didn't suit the agenda of the others." I said, "Exactly." I said, "The church's agenda, which is to preach the word of God, does not suit." the modern culture's agenda. And I think that's, that's maybe that's the root cause of yeah. all of this publicity. Did you genuinely not realise that the content of your sermon would have such an effect? I mean, no, did, I never no. did. Never did. And would that be the normal content 
of your sermons o- over the course of your priestly life? My sermons, my sermon, because the church herself has taught, you know, that the priest on Sunday, for example, is is a, uh, called upon to focus on the scriptures of the Sunday. So that's what I've done. So, so whatever uh, uh, message uh, I find in the in the content of the scriptures for the particular Sunday, that's what I base my sermon on. So I, you know, I I'm not one of those people, you know, who focuses on one particular topic and uh, emphasizes it, you know, time after time after time. I really base my homilies on the scriptures, and of course, also uh, check out the scriptures in line with the teaching of the church as well. That's that's interesting because some some of the priests pointed out that earlier on in your Mass that uh, the scriptures were about, you know, about reconciliation with people and love of people. (laughs) Of of course. uh, Fantastic. I'm glad you brought that up. Of course there's about reconciliation. But in order for reconciliation to take place, people have to identify sin for what it is. They, they need to repent and then seek forgiveness. And that's the joy of reconciliation, which actually Jesus has made available to everyone. But to enjoy that peace and that joy that comes from knowing that God forgives me, I must identify my sin, I must repent of it and say, Lord, please forgive me. That's the reality here, isn't it? Father Roy Donovan, I'm, I'm not sure if you know him. He's the head of the no. Association of Catholic Priests in Ireland. No. And he was on the show yesterday. And he made the point that there is nothing. You know, he, 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 this is his word. He said there's nothing in the Bible that condemns same-sex relationships at all. Let me, let me, look, he, obviously he hasn't read the catechism in a while. And obviously, he doesn't really know much about the scriptures, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, tell him that he ought to he ought to read, for example, in the Catechism, you know, paragraph twenty three fifty nine, that says homosexual persons are called to chastity by the virtues of self mastery that teach them inner freedom, at times by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace, they can and should gradually and resolutely approach. Christian perfection. That's the teaching of the church. He ought to read Genesis, for example, 19, uh, one of the following. He ought to read Romans. He ought to read Corinthians. He ought to, ought to read Timothy. See, the pro- and I tell you, frankly, uh, you know, um, the, the association of priests, I think, have done more to cause confusion among honest-to-goodness Catholics than probably any other group in this country. You, because you, I think they're a disgrace to the church because they want to change the church's teaching again to suit their own agenda. You, you, know, me, you mentioned Genesis 19 there, and, you know, I mean, if, if you go along with everything that's in Genesis 19, I mean, for instance, I don't have to tell you this, but, but Lot, for example, when the angels wanted to have sex with the men, she said, no, you can't do that, but here's a couple of virgin daughters of mine, and you can do what you will with them. Now, that is the teaching of but Genesis here, as well. But the, but the teaching of Genesis is basically pointing out that sex between two men, sex between two women is, first of all, abnormal, contrary to the law of nature, and contrary to the will of God. That's the message there, and that has been reinforced again right. in, in, by the teaching of the Church. Uh, but could you just explain then what you, what you interpret that to mean, that she was willing to give her virgin daughters to be raped? And, and as that, opposed that, to the men, the word, the word rape is not in there at all. Well, okay. No, well, no. now you see what you're doing. Now you see is you're taking you're taking this particular scripture. You see out of context. 
You have to see the before. And but you I have could to say the, the same to you, Father Sean. That no, no, no. I'm not taking it out of context at all because what I'm saying is that this is reinforced by the paragraph that I just read to you mm. from the teaching of the church. That the fact is that homosexual relationships are mortally, I mean, sexual relationships, not friendships, obviously. They're, they're, they're mortally sinful because they contravene the law of God. Also, they contravene the teaching of the church that says that sex outside of marriage is a mortal sin. The fa Father Roy Donovan also said that you need to update uh, your <laughs> understanding of the Bible, that a new biblical research is telling us that there's no condemnation whatsoever there in terms no, of sexual there, love. You know, that makes me laugh, not at you. Uh, no, 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 and that's fine. fine not sure. at you at all, because I think you're, you're, you know, you've been very honest, you know, in your questions, and I appreciate that. But the fact is, again, you see, it's like, like some of these people said, well, you know, the Bible is written by men. You know, so how can you trust that? You see, that's the whole mantra. Oh, everything is going to be updated. Everything is going to be changed. You know, well, in Third Vatican II, I mean, it was clearly stated. You know, we the the teaching of the church does not alter in terms of her basic teachings, uh, and so therefore, then we don't change to suit the culture. Mm. The whole thrust of the church is to be countercultural. But, but Father Sean, with Vatican II, we changed to suit the culture, did we not? No, 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 no. The interpretation of Vatican II by by many people tried to go along with the culture. But the Vatican II, as Pope Benedict pointed out, with his what he called the hermeneutic of continuity, Vatican II continued the traditional teaching of the Church, which is the apostolic uh, tradition that was handed on by Jesus by the apostles. So, no, we're trying to change the teaching of the Church just to suit the the, the present day culture that basically is so self-absorbed that the whole idea of sin is anathema to it. The whole idea of sacrifice is anathema to it. The whole idea of chastity is anathema to it. And that's the problem. I, I'm delighted we can talk as we are because I've heard some of your interviews during the week and there were a lot of hysterics involved and I, I'd prefer to just have it as we're having it here now, which is a genuine conversation. But could I bring you something from one of our listeners who says, uh, will you tell Father Sheehy that I have a gay son? I'm very upset for him to say that he will go to hell. As I, I know, did not say that. Hold on now. Let me start to interrupt right. you there. I never said that. That is a total lie. I never said that a person who has a homosexual orientation will go to hell. I said repeatedly, the church right. has but, no problem with But if people. he has a gay relationship, if he has yeah, if, a, if it, a sexual I, relationship. I'm glad you said that. Yes. It's a sexual relationship that, that is the sin. Right. Not, the, not the orientation, it's the sexual relationship right. that's sinful. But, but if there's love between two people, whether it's man or woman or man and man, I mean, surely the cement of that is for to have a... Um, a relationship that is sexual and that is loving. <laughs> so, so you're saying then that you're saying then that love condones sin. Well, you see, I well, this is where we differ. I I wouldn't see it as sin, but obviously you do. <clears throat> love, love never, love never condones sin. Yeah. Never condones sin. But it depends on what what you call sin. You know. Well, sin is anything that goes against the law of God, the will of God, and the teaching of his church. And is that's, that not down it. to interpretation of what is no, the word No, 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 that's, that's the church's traditional teaching over the last 2,000 years. Mm. I mean, what is so sad for me today is that people don't seem to understand the whole reality of sin at all. Mm. 
And I don't know why that is. Is it, is it because it's not being preached? Is it not because it, uh, uh, it's not being taught to, to people uh, in schools? Is it not being taught to adults? I mean, obviously there is some reason for this ignorance about sin and its destructiveness. We see it everywhere. Right. And if your fellow priests are saying things like, and again I'm referring to Roy Donovan Day yesterday representing Catholic priests in Ireland. Oh, but you see. He said, gay or trans is just as normal orientation as heterosexuality. Well, see, I mean, where is he coming from? Even the science will tell you clearly that the whole idea of transgender you know, is, is absolutely ridiculous because DNA says you're either a man or a woman and that's it. There are only two genders. There's no such thing as transgender. No man can become a woman. No woman can become a man. And that's the reality. Right, but with kindness... Scientifically, with, even scientifically. Right, but with kindness and gentleness, would you not think that if somebody is in that space and they feel that they are female or male within the, uh, the opposite body, that they should be treated kindly and gently? And of course, everybody should be treated kindly and gently. Not, not be to be kindly. condemned, Father Sean. Yeah, but the whole point is, I'm not condemning the person. I'm condemning. The, I'm not condemning the person. I'm condemning the action, and I'm condemning the action not because uh, I am uh, the judge. I'm condemning the action because it is contrary to the teaching of Jesus and His Church. That's the reason. Your your bishop seems to have opposing views to you. Um, are you well, al- are you allowed to say mass now, Father Sean? Uh, yeah, not publicly, no, but I say Mass here at home. Right, but you've been told you cannot say Mass publicly. Yeah, he said, well, I don't know what he meant, but he said, you know, until the local parish priest, you know, comes back from his from his pilgrimage, I don't know what he means by that. Uh, what do you think he means by that? I have no idea, because he never told me. When you compare... He never, this... he never sat down to talk to me person to person. And why do you think that is? I have no idea. No idea. Your your ministry in the states um, were they more accepting that your 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 flock in the states were they more accepting of your views than exactly. Irish people? Absolutely, absolutely. Because first of all, I think because they were far more uh, uh, knowledgeable regarding their Catholic faith because they had to be because where I worked, actually Catholics were in a minority and they had to be Catholic by choice, not not because of their families or whatever it was. And they did. I mean, what I liked, I suppose, about the Americans was that, the, as, as many of them often told me, we want to know exactly what the Church teaches, and we'll decide whether we believe it or whether we don't. But we, at least we want to know what we're believing or what we're not believing. That was the mentality. So and they did. the fact that Pentecostal Christians, Father Sean, in the States supported Trump, who is not a man of... Moral standing, I mean, most people would agree, you know. How, how do you feel about that, that, you know, it's politicised well, you in know, the States? it's interesting, though, is it? Yeah, you say he was not a man of moral standing, mm. but he certainly had an appreciation of life far more, for example, uh, than some of those people, you know, who call themselves Christians. I mean, Trump was probably the most pro-life president that America has had yeah. in, in, in many years, and he actually was... The only president, actually, since the whole Roe v. Wade thing was was uh, legalized, uh, to send his vice president to speak, actually, in Washington at the pro-life march. So it's ironic, isn't it, that this man, you know, uh, who certainly uh, was no paragon of virtue in, in, in terms of sexuality, at the same time, though, he spoke up for life. 
But, but, also, but was, was he not just playing you? Uh, and when I say you, I mean the greater movement. Was he not just playing no, you? No, he was he, not at all. No, the one thing I think that uh, uh, about uh, Trump was, whether you agree with him or not, was that uh, I think he, he basically said what he meant, and I think he meant what he said. And he certainly was one of the best things that happened to America, especially for the working man and woman in the street, because he certainly cared about them. He, he, he wasn't an ideologue. You know, like like many people, many people are today. He basically, as he said himself, wanted to make the country great, and to do that, he wanted to be true to the Constitution. The same thing is true with us. If we want to be great as Christians, we must be true to the Constitution, which is enshrined in the Bible and in the teaching of the Church. You, but you're speaking in support of a man who was a misogynist and who I'm treated not, not who treated women abominably. No, 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 I'm not supporting the man at all. I'm su- Supporting what he did for the country as a president. Right. How do you think we are here politically? Because Leo Vradkar came out very strongly against you when you put forward the notion that he was heading for hell. Um, well, if he doesn't, if if any any person who is committing mortal sin, if that person does not repent and seek forgiveness, then that person will go to hell again. That's the teaching of the Scriptures and the Church. That's why Jesus gave the Church the Sacrament of Reconciliation, to give people an opportunity to repent and seek forgiveness. Right. And the fact, Father Sean, that you're completely at odds with the modern Catholic Church in Ireland, does that, does that concern you? When you say the, moder- the modern Catholic Church, I mean, the, the, the Church is neither modern, nor old, nor anything else. The right. Church is the Church that has continued over the last 2,000 years, and Jesus promised he would be with his church until the end of time. Right. So the church does not kowtow to any era, to any regime, to any ideology, uh, or anything like that. Right, but, that's the, but, that's but the it, great thing about the church. But it has changed, Father It Sean. hasn't changed, it well, hasn't changed. Well, well, I beg your pardon, it has, because, I mean, we were told that we were supposed to stone women in the streets, for you example. Know, you were what about poor old Abraham that thought he had to kill his son by way of? Oh, you're talking about you're talking about Abraham. You're talking about another time in history. You're also talking too about you know when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son because child sacrifice was common in the culture, and then God said, "No, you don't do that at all." You right, see. but He brought him right to the brink. You know. Oh, well, of course, He brought him right to the brink, which was a test of whether or not he had total faith in God that God would be faithful to his promises to give Abraham a son. And so the great test was, Abraham, offer up your son to me. And Abraham did, and God showed him that he would be faithful to his promises because he gave Isaac back to Abraham. No, no, people, people take the scriptures completely out of context. Right. Well, explain so, to me about the stoning of women. What about the church? They never advocated the stoning of women. Well, yes, they did if they had no, crossed they the not. line. No, no, no. Jesus himself, actually, in the woman who was accused of committing adultery, you know, he, he said, has anybody here, you know, uh, 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 condemned you? She said, no one, sir. He says, nor do I. He said, but he also, he said, go and do not do that sin anymore. And is that the core of it for you? That's the core of it. Do not do that sin anymore. Did you ever doubt your faith, uh, Father Sean? I've never, I've never really doubted it. Of course, I've asked questions over the time. When I was in the seminary, for example, the whole thrust at that time was 
to break down the faith that you had, whatever faith you had received from your parents and whatnot, and then build it up in accord with the scriptures and in accord with the teaching of the church. So that as a priest, you will not simply give your own opinion, you will precisely give what the church teaches. As a student said to me one day in class, I want to know exactly the teaching. I don't want your opinion. I said, absolutely. My opinion will die with me, but the teaching of the church will go on till the end of time. And are you not concerned there that, you know, some of the teaching might have been lost in translation in some way, and now maybe as we look at it with, with fresh eyes, that we, we might come up with a different interpretation of the Bible? No, because if the Bible is inspired, and if the church is founded by Jesus Christ, and if the keys uh, of, of, of the kingdom are given to the church to explain the scriptures authentically, and in, in their integrity, then certainly there will be no new understandings of the Bible, just like there's no new revelation. There will be no new... I mean, all kinds of people interpret the Scriptures. Martin Luther, for example, said, look, anybody can read the Scriptures, they're very simple, you know. But what happened? He forgot about the fact that everybody reads things out of who they are themselves rather than the way they're supposed to read them. And what do you have today? You have over 25,000 different Protestant groups all stating that they believe in the Bible. This Holy Spirit is a spirit of unity. Right, but you... God calls people to unite. But you still think that, yeah, a couple of this is what to ask you a specific question. So let me do that right now. Um, what do you think, for example, of the paedophilia that went on with the, in the church, horrible. the the abuse, the awfulness horrible. of that? Yeah. Horrible, absolutely horrible. Like like uh, Pope, uh, Pope Benedict called it, he said, filth, filth again as a result of sin, which came about as well as a result of not identifying pedophilia, not identifying uh homosexual relationships with young boys as mortally sinful. And as a result of not identifying the sin and recognizing the seriousness of it, they just decide to go right ahead with it and take advantage of poor, vulnerable, vulnerable young people and whatnot. Horrible. And a lot of that came about because there was no overseeing uh, by the hierarchy of what was actually happening in the parishes. And, uh, I mean, you know, I know many good priests indeed, but some good priests stayed silent on this. I mean, were you aware of paedophilia going on around you, for example? But, uh, look, is it any wonder they stayed silent uh, about it? Because they're afraid... No, there's no excuse for them to stay silent. Well, I know, but but, but the same thing is true today. You know, like the the preacher said to me, look, you can't preach the gospel because it might offend somebody. So what does that person do? You stay silent. Why? And you can see what's happening. Because they're afraid of a backlash. They're afraid of the media. They're afraid of the press and so on. They're also afraid, too, that they may not be supported by their local bishops. And that's a horrible state to be in. And, Father Sean, did you stay silent? No, I did not stay silent. On that issue? Not at all. Not at all. Did you speak out? Not at all. I did speak out because I knew of cases that I went to the bishop uh, with myself and said, look, uh, you need to address this. And, And sadly, in many cases, it was not addressed at all. And, and actually, some of the people that I knew who had actually committed uh, a pedophilia uh, actually ended up committing suicide, which I thought was another tragedy. Because, again, uh, the, the, the hierarchy did nothing at all to address it 
and thinking, thinking that by moving a priest from one place to another, somehow that it would just go away. Or, or thinking that it was just a moral problem rather than just also a psychological and emotional problem as well. So it wasn't dealt with. Are you in a lonely place now? You know what? I'm glad you asked that. Actually, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Actually, I, I'm not in a lonely place because you know what? I have received so much support from from priests, from people who have identified themselves as seminarians, and also from from the lay people, the lay Catholics, mothers and fathers who are concerned about the world into which their children are are moving. Actually, it 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 it, it has been in that sense has been unbelievable. So so that actually has 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 told me that look. You, you know, no matter how much, you know, you didn't want all this attention, maybe, maybe that God will certainly bring good out of this. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Some of the for everybody, for everybody, both those, both those who support and those who are uh, opposed. Because God loves everybody. Some of the commentary around your sermon was that you did want this kind of notoriety. You no, well, you, of course, that's, that's how people will frame yeah. it, isn't it? <laughs> but you, you didn't want this. That's, that's oh, no, absolutely. The last thing in the world that I wanted. Mm. The yeah. last thing in the world. But you think some good, as far as you're concerned, might come out of this in some way? I do believe that God will bring some good out of it. And the reason I believe that is because as I've said to you, that it was based on the scriptures and the teaching of the church as it exists at this very moment and will exist until the end of time. Are you comfortable at home in Kerry at this point or would you prefer to go back to maybe no, you know, no, people would be of similar views to yourself maybe? No, actually, uh, look, there are plenty of people here who actually have similar views to me. I mean, any mm. honest to God Catholic Christian should have similar views to me. I mean, that's the reality. Right. So, and and the people who haven't, are are we all doomed? Are we? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. That's the great thing you see about what I said. You know, all those who who disagree with what I'm said, all they have to do is sit down, listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to them, listen even to their conscience, and recognize that in all humility, maybe what that what is being spoken is the truth. And I need to embrace the truth because only the truth will set me free. And, and Jesus is the truth. And just finally, Father Sean, then, if the bishops, right. if some, well, some, I won't say all bishops, if a lot of bishops are disagreeing with you, if the Association of Catholic Priests are disagreeing with you, what does it say for the future of the Church in Ireland as far as you're concerned? As far as I'm concerned, look, we already see what's happening to, to, the, to the Church in Ireland in terms of the participation I mean, over the last couple of years that I've been here, I've gone around to different churches helping out priests, and honest to goodness, I mean, it's sometimes it's depressing when you see just a few people uh, in the pews. And I think a lot of it is because they are not hearing the Word of God, uh, both in terms of, of, of support, but also in terms of challenging them to really live the Christian life. An interesting question here. Did Father Sean ever fall in love? I did. <laughs> I did. did. Tell, I did. Can you tell me about that? I'm not, I'm not going to tell you about it, but I did, absolutely. And, and, and it was actually as a result of that that I discerned the vocation to the priesthood. Was it indeed? Yes. And do you often think back on what you might have missed out on? 
No, I don't feel like I missed out on anything. Do you not? <laughs> no, no. No, oh. I don't, really. And was it a because... her was it a her or a him? <laughs> Look, what do you think? I don't know. I don't you don't know. know. That's I mean that's a silly question, isn't it, to ask me. Uh, I mean, let's face it. Was uh, it a her or was it a him uh, that I was in love with? Yeah, you know, how stupid is that question? I don't know, but I mean, it's you know. totally stupid, and it shows you too. Well, you, you, know, you, you, you told me that you, good. you told you've me been pretty, pretty good as an interviewer. I have to yeah. say that you've been Thank pretty you. good as an interviewer. Thank you. you know, but by the same token, to say was it a him or a her? No, but I, said, I mean, I, I'm justified in asking because I, maybe if, that's the if, culture. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. It's just that you have such strong feelings about this that you may have walked away from something that you no, wanted yourself. Well, maybe. Look, don't try to psychology. You know. Uh, try to uh, uh, analyze me, you know, psychologically and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, of course not. I mean, I was in a normal relationship, you know, with 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 a, a young woman, yeah. and uh, uh, and was a result of that. I mean, <laughs> her or him. I mean, let's say fifty or sixty years ago, you wouldn't even think of asking such a question, would mm. you? Probably not. Probably no. not. And Probably. it goes to show you then how corrupted. The, the the world has become culturally mm. to even to even legitimize a question like that. It also shows you too how powerful this whole homosexual agenda mm. has has been allowed to become. That it dominates. Mm. It dominates the, the 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 culture. Dominates but everything. You see, the there, schools, there, there was everything. nothing wrong with the question because you didn't act on this, so therefore you didn't break any. You know, if if that were to be the case, you didn't break any rules of. You know, I mean, the break way, any rules about what? Well, the, you didn't break any rules of the church if you didn't act upon something like that. I mean, sure, what? No, happened? I didn't break any rules. Yeah. No, of course yeah, I didn't break any. But what I'm saying is that this whole culture, yes. this whole LGBT, whatever it is, culture, I mean, has so has so influenced the culture that it seems like that's all they're talking about. And I even saw that in in a, in a in an article about the synodal way. Where the LGBT, you know, they got everything in, in almost in capital letters, whereas the other poor groups also, who uh, were called, you know, to repent, got just the ordinary referencing and so on and so forth. So it goes to show, you know, why are, are, is this so powerful? You see, why, why is this dominating the culture, dominating the media, dominating the schools? You know, when a mother tells me, for example, that her, her little nine-year-old boy comes home and says, oh, Mommy, I learned in school today that I could become a girl. I mean, that's corruption. That's child abuse. Father Sean, it was really good to talk to, to, you, to you today. And, and we, to, we do appreciate your time. I congratulate you on your interviewing. Thank you very much. You're very kind. Thank you, Father Sean. You. Thank you and bye-bye to you. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie 
and you're very welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. It's time for our Friday panel and I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Fianna Fáil Councillor Siobhan Ambrose who's with us on the panel for the first time. You're very welcome, Siobhan. Thank you. Uh, Joe Leahy with us, founder of Seesaw and uh, of course an expert in all sorts of stuff. And thank Mark Small is with <laughs> us as well. Mark is a mediator and a naval architect as well. And thank you all for joining us uh, today. I think I need a break actually at this point. Uh, <laughs> but, but let's Let's go with uh, Father Sean Sheehy because we had him just uh, on the run-up to, to 11. Siobhan, can I ask you to take that first? Um, just a general overview of the controversy as as you might have seen it yourself over the last few days. Yeah, I suppose, look, the first I heard, like most, was on Monday morning and we heard that, you know, the sermon had been given in St. Mary's Parish Church in Listowel and um, Father Sheehy, the, the, the priest in question, was covering for... Um, uh, Canon O'Connor, who is on pilgrimage in the Holy Land with parishioners. And um, the sermon, by all accounts, you know, the readings on the day were about the chaos and, and Jesus and forgiveness. And like every other parish around the world, it would have been similar and, um, you know, obviously similar readings. Um, but obviously it was, you know, the sermon itself that would have been very different. And um, he, you know, he was extremely vocal, mm. you know, and on the day. And um, we hear out, 30, up to 30 people walked yeah. out and uh, there was great upset. And then you hear that um, Bishop Brown, the Bishop of Kerry, has come out and he's uh, basically said, you know, it's, it's um, you know, um, mm. that he's apologised for the upset that has caused. It has caused great upset and the Bishop's offices obviously have been contacted and the Association of Catholic Priests of Ireland have mm. also come out and mm. expressed, you know, their unhappiness with the sermon. And um, I suppose while everybody is entitled to their opinion, mm. um, I, I think it it was just, you know, in, in my own opinion, it, it was um, very unfortunate, the sermon, mm. because... Um, Would it surprise you to know, Siobhan, and I'm saying this to you off air as well, does it surprise you to know that I'm, I'm guessing about 60% of what we're getting in here is in support of Father Sean Sheehy? Yeah, I mean, you you were saying that. I mean, what I'm saying is, like, we're all, you know, everybody is entitled to their opinion, mm. and I, I've said that about Father Sheehy as well. Um but I suppose, you know, the platform with which he used kind of to channel that and great upset and being mindful of the congregation as well. I mean, there there were people in the congregation, um, you know, who, who were obviously perhaps, you know, gay. Mm. I don't know the congregation, mm. um, maybe parents mm. of, of children. And um, that was obviously up to 30. Like, that's a significant number of people. I, I've never seen anyone walk out of a church in, in my life. Mm. And um, to see 30 doing it must have been something yes. extraordinary. In, in a rural town. Uh, in a rural town. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I don't know, perhaps, you know, the, the tone as well of it. So um, notwithstanding, mm. we are only going by the information that we've heard, you know, on, mm. on the radio and in, in, on, on, on print mm. media. Um, but, but certainly, um, you know, great ups. Set, yeah. uh, in the area. Joe, he hasn't comments. backed back on any of this whatsoever. In fact, I'm not sure how much you heard of him chatting to me there, but even, you know, he's even stronger about it, actually, as, as the days go on. Yeah, well, the first thing I'm going to do now is I'm going to compliment you on a great interview that you did with him. Oh, thanks, thanks. I'm serious about that. Yeah. You did you did a powerful interview with thank him. You. And you asked him every kind of a question under the rising sun that could be asked and mm. should be asked. And you are right. There, there was no um, mea culpa along no, the way anywhere no. here. To, this is. I um, love the altar boy piece of Latin, by the way, Joe. Well, I'm very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> mea maxima culpa. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is real uh, to me like this is real diehard belief fundamentalism fundamentalism mm-hmm. belief and you know dare I say in the context God and a man won't change that that's mm-hmm. the belief and that's it and as say the poor old bishop is probably scratching his head he's probably saying Jesus there's always one you know mm-hmm. yeah. and I'd say when he heard this he said you know haven't I enough trouble besides having this on top of my plate now as well uh, I think that was um I think the individual concerned, he certainly hasn't moved with the times. And yes, there's probably parts of the Bible that that's in. I might as well tell you out straight, I've never read the Bible. Mm. I might as well tell you something else. I don't intend to read the Bible. It's Mm. not on my bucket list. That said, I wouldn't be against doing good for an awful lot of people if I possibly could. But how far away is he from the general teaching of the church? I mean, you know, you hear Pope Francis and it's kind of, it's a benign look at it, but it's still saying love the sinner and not the sin, which isn't too far away from what the priest is saying when he's saying that, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with gay people so long as they don't act upon it. Yeah, but then what what does he want then? All gay people in celibacy? Celibacy, yeah. 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 But you're like, in the name of God, what are we? What on earth are we doing? Like in this day and age, like, like, would he not look at the fullness of how many people have left the church? Mm. Would he not look at how empty the churches, the the, the churches around the but country? But he's saying are? the reason is because there's not a clarity of teaching anymore. That there's not. No, no, I, I don't. Devil's advocate and yes, all that. Yes, yes, I understand that. all that. Yeah. I think what he's doing. What I think, I honestly think that he's. That yes, he's a fundamentalist. I think his mm. beliefs strenuously believes in what in his own beliefs, and he said that to you in the interview and all mm. that kind of thing. But I don't think that that's where we are today. I think modern society has mm. totally changed. You know, like back in in the days of his beliefs, like nobody even went to bed together except that they were married mm. and religiously married and all that. Th- yes. th- those days are all long gone. You know, males, people, whatever else, they're they're all long gone. You have to move with the times, whether we like it or we don't like it, and whether. That mightn't be the beliefs that were written in the Bible. The Bible, the Bible hasn't changed. The Constitution hasn't changed either. But the reality of it is that is the Bible. And if you want to stick to the Bible, then that he he is possibly right. I'm not saying he's right. He's possibly right in his beliefs. But how many people want to believe it? You're saying that there's maybe sixty percent of yeah. of uh, contacts. I'm still looking that, at the screen here. Still coming in. Yeah, yeah still coming in. Mm. But there's a huge amount of people that won't contact anybody. They're totally against all this. Right. And they totally believe that you should live and let live, and you should. Mark, what about you? Your What's your your thinking? <clears throat> on well, this? I was. I mean, your, your statistic of sixty percent of people in support of him completely shocks me, actually. Yeah, no, that's I not mean, scientific because no, no, I know, but I mean, know, it is. But, it's it's, but, it's yeah. a. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, a it's a scientific yeah. of snapshot of people who and I, and I'm and there's two questions I would ask about that. Is it is it that the people are of that ilk are more motivated to support him? And that the more general population who have tolerances for for are are less, um, I suppose, motivated in the sense of, of of having to kind of the outrage of it, and they're trying to support him. And, and I think, I mean, I really, really thought that our society had moved on from a hundred years ago, which is which, and he's probably even further back than that. I mean, you know, we ha- we've had a marriage referendum. Uh, you know, the tolerance <clears throat> that should be there for people to live their lives as they see fit as long as they don't, you know, injure or interfere with other people. You, you, you should, yeah, but yeah. That, that's all secular stuff you're talking about. Oh, no, hang on. Here uh, we're yeah, talking about the Catholic Church. Yes, and, and one of the things that I can't understand... against the idea of the marriage referendum. Yes, I, I, they did, yeah. but, you know, society has accepted it. That is, this is the way it is. And I mean, and I think as Joe pointed out there, people are leaving the church in droves. Is this the reason for it? I don't know. But one of the things that I take, I take issue with, with, with Father Sheehy about is that, you know, the Bible is immovable. 
and that what was written in the Bible and what was the, the canonism thing is immovable. And, I mean, I only found out recently, you know, about, you know, where women had to be churched yeah. after after birth. And, you know, they were unclean, yeah. uh, you know, as they were, you know, with the, the, the monthly periods and that. But what was even more shocking when I read about that, I actually just looked it up, was that they were more unclean if they had a girl child. They were twice as unclean with a girl child than a male child. I didn't hear No, I didn't and I mean, I just it just said wow. here, you know, it, got, it goes on to state... This is the this is the Leviticus for anyone who's interested. I just and I, I just couldn't believe this. So this is where he's coming from, and we've moved on. That you're ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during a monthly period. It goes on to state that it is takes thirty three days to be purified, if a baby is a girl, which it and it would take twice. Sorry, if it was a girl, it would take twice as long. So for sixty six days, if a, if a, if a, if a, if a, if, a, if a woman had it. And then the mother must also bring sacrificial animals to the priest as burnt offerings or a sin offering. So if we say that, you know, it, that it's immovable, it has changed. It has changed. It has changed. Yeah. And the fact of life is that does not happen anymore. So yeah. his, his, his thing saying that the church is immovable is fundamentally incorrect because we have moved on from that. What he's doing is trying to bring everybody back to the past in a way yeah. that is, is wrong. And the problem is he's not realising that the church has moved on. I mean, okay, Pope Francis, who I, who, I mean, again, I, as people would know, I'm not that religious or I'm not that, uh, you know, I wouldn't be in the church. I mean, Christmas, maybe that's about it. Probably is a, you know, tokenism. But Pope Francis, I believe, has been a fantastic, you know, he'd be saying he's doing his best with, uh, I think Joe mentioned when we were off air that, you know, party politics is alive and well in the Vatican. Mm. I mean, in a very difficult environment, Pope Francis is trying to move on because Benedict before him appointed all the, the cardinals who were extremely the conservative. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, they're there. And poor old Francis is trying to move it on. And, and, and I mean, okay, we'd have to move with the times. Mm. You know, I mean, but the, 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 the Bible talked about having slavery and you can beat your slaves and you can kill your slaves as long as they don't die in the first day, you're grand. This is all part of what that old was about but we don't do it we don't have it so, so there has been a movement there has the right. fu okay. factually there has it's, been a it's movement it's interesting Siobhan um, Mark speaks about, about women there and women mm. in the church I mean notoriously women have been treated very badly in the church would you would you agree mm. well I suppose you know historically their role was um, you know as uh, was a secondary role um, but I think, uh, first of all, you know, I, I would say I, I am a practicing Catholic mm. and there's an enormity of good women, many listening this morning, who are serving in all different roles within the church. Um, and I have to say that, like every organisation, it, it's not perfect. Mm. Um, but I have to commend as well, while we're speaking about Father Sheehy, I have to say a commend to all the priests out there who are doing a fantastic job. Mm. And mm. this is a very difficult time mm. for them as well, because let's face it, in 99.9% .9 of parishes last Sunday, you had a very different sermon um, being mm. given out by the priests. And mm. just to say how fortunate we are, I mean, as Mark has said, we've depleting numbers, mm. um, particularly as well with respect to the priests that we have. And, um, mm. you know, the great changes that that will bring in, in a, you know, in a couple of years' time, let's face it. Um, but I think there are steps a move to um, in Rome. I mean, I, I think uh, Pope Francis was an exceptionally a good candidate for mm. the role um, and he he was Siobhan but he's in very poor health and I was reading this morning and my fear is yeah. that when he passes on that we'll end up with a, a, another conservative Pope who will 
sort of yeah I suppose look we can't preempt what will happen but yeah. I but I know like even listening to different kind of media outlets at different times you know he has since he's come in within his own remit um, done a lot to kind of move the church now obviously um, I don't want to say you know he, he's throwing out the, 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 the all the, the rules and regulations that are there but he has made uh, steps to kind of improve it and um, you know in areas like I remember when he first came in it was on the RT news that um, I, I think at the time that people who were separate had to wait years for, mm. I think, their final uh, papers from Rome. And when he came in, he decided, well, there's no need for that to be. They should be able to get it within the country they're from. Yes. Is that with annulments um, or something? That's right, annulments. Yes. And, um, you know, and, and he was the one that kind of said, well, that's, you know, pretty straightforward. Um, I know as well in terms of, he brought it before all kind of the cardinals as well, in terms of, you know, softening the wording with respect to homosexuality. That was on uh, the news as well. Um, and that that was defeated at the time mm. um, when, he, when he brought it to the Cardinals at the time. Um, mm. I know he's also in recent times, you know, plans to, and he is uh, making appointments with respect to, um, you know, his own group of Cardinals yes. that, that he is actually going to appoint because um, Benedict before him appointed, as Mark has mm. said, very conservative ones. Yes. Um, so what I would say is that um, I, I would say, you know, like Mark has said, Pope Francis has an exceptionally difficult job. Uh, he's obviously being very respectful of, of the church and its traditions, uh, but also very aware of the time that a bit like, you know, women being churched. I mean, no Nobody would agree to that now. It sounds even bizarre to say it, but that was of its time. And and he is a man who's kind of saying, well, look, you know, in terms of the church being relevant, um, obviously not on all issues, but there are some impertinent issues that have to be dealt yeah, with. And he is making a, a huge right. effort. Lots that. coming in on this. A lot of people are very kind about the interview, but my favourite one comes in from Mary, who says, I thought the priest was great and Fran was a total twat. <laughs> <laughs> the best one. Yeah, um... <laughs> no comment. Um, <laughs> and that was only today, friend. That was only today. <laughs> um, what I would say, what I would say is, uh, what I would say is, you know, Siobhan just reminded me there, like when she was saying, you know, it's like in Rome, jobs for the boys. You know, here yeah. we go again. You yeah. know, surround yourself with your own people and whatever else. But when you go back, you know, I can go back through the years, like you know, when you're talking about the changes within the churches. Mark referred to there. I remember like the time when the priest, uh, you know, had to say mass with his back to the altar. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That has all changed. Yeah. I remember, like you know, when the when the nuns had to come out and they all they were they couldn't come out. They were behind closed a closed area. They couldn't be seen. Then women had to wear headscarves or headwear and all that. Yeah. All those things have changed. And now in to my, in today's society, like confessions are practically non-existent. Yeah. yeah. Right. So the church has moved because it had to move with the times but of course the man is talking the man concerned whether she is talking about the bible and the teachings of the bible unfortunately like he's lost he's lost like while you might say 60 percent you have much bear in mind that there are 60 percent of the people that have contacted here well absolutely and that's what yeah. i'm saying i'm not uh, making yeah. a scientific claim about uh, it Joe, absolutely but yeah. Yeah. yeah and you're yeah. right but yeah. the reality of it is like the reality are is uh, on you know the, the footfall that's inside in the church. Mm. The numbers have dwindled and dwindled and dwindled, yes. and they have. Confessions are practically non-existent. And Siobhan is right on this point. There are absolutely fabulous priests out there. There are fabulous priests that has moved sure. along with the times. They've embraced what's going mm. on. They've embraced change, and they've dealt with change in mm. all its ways. And they have. And it's great to see the Catholic Church is still open and still being there, and long may continue. But we are also coming into a place too where churches are closing. Yeah. And this is the reality. 
And I think myself that that, that, that man last Sunday, right. he, he didn't help the and cause, just, I'll tell you. I mean, uh, it, it, final word on it, Mark, well, before just, we move I just, on. I mean, I, I, would, I would feel, you know, where does the LBGT community go to for spiritual guidance? If this, if, if, if the Catholic Church, and this is what this Father Sheehy is saying, this, that what you do is a sin. So, I mean, and, you know, so, so you have to be. So what you do is a sin. So where do they go for spiritual guidance? Well, well, it, it, well okay, what he's saying is that, yeah, they go to the church, but they don't... No, but so if you're... They don't act, yeah, but, yeah, so if you, if you are a, a you know, a, a sexually active in the LGBT community... You, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. So yeah. therefore you can't come in here because, you know, you're not, we're not, you're not welcome well, here you if, you, you, if you continue in, to sin. You, you can come in if you repent. Yeah, you repent. But you're yes. not... Because if you... But I mean, if you're going... If I think this is what I believe and this is part of my beliefs as a... Part of that community, where do they go for spiritual guidance? I mean, so if they say that's blocked off, I mean, I think the society would be hugely I had a huge loss if there isn't spiritual guidance or wherever they get it from when everything's. I mean, I, I mean, I would be a spiritual person. I don't would necessarily, you know, follow all the things. If it's I kind of dip in and out, no. you know. So I'm a la carte if yes. you kind of call it. But I do, I do believe, you know, look after, you know, look after people, you know, be Absolutely. kind to other people, yeah. and which is a, which comes from my spiritual background. But if you're not, where do you get that? Where, where where do people go then? I mean, if if all the main religions would seem to say is that the the community for LGBT is now is everything they do is a sin, then where do they go? And I and I, I kind of go, it's an awful indictment of our society that we can't include those kind of people in our society, and help them in, in whatever way they feel comfortable. But I I also do think is that a lot of the church is inclusive to them you know and okay there are the minority of the priests out there but I mean I would know priests and and, and nuns who, who would go yes I mean yes. Th- it is good but to are they not moving off menu to show that kindness if you know what I mean but then again we're, we're back to have we not moved on we don't right. church anymore so right. therefore moving on maybe the okay. grassroots well, moves we, off if we moved on document it it's not being documented yeah, but isn't the church, because not then you church, have Father uh, Sean able to go back and say look yeah but like churching is not undocumented either I mean it's okay. still it's, it's still there point. so therefore you know we, you know, and society and in, in all of society there I mean there's laws we don't implement anymore because they're archaic yes. now they're still there you know, but there are cake. So we, there are things that are written down that you can always point to and say, well, you should do this, this is yeah. the rule. But okay. we move on because the norms change. All right, well, we must move on. We'll take a break. We'll be back with another subject in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie and you're very welcome back to our Friday panel. Joe Leahy, Siobhan Ambrose and Mark Small. One of our listeners says, at the very least, the controversy has Mark Small and Frank Curry reading the Bible. <laughs> no, actually, I, I read the controversial text of the Bible. I, I didn't do all the other bits. <laughs> all right, so there you are. Temperatures in Europe have increased at more than twice the global average over the past 30 years and more than anywhere else in the world. And that's according to uh, the World Meteorological Organization, up by 1.5 degrees in three decades. Now, exceptional heat 
wildfires, floods, other climate change impacts will affect societies, economies and all of that kind of thing. These are all recent uh, figures and it's all happening in light of a lot of controversy in this country and a lot of denial, I suppose, about what's happening where climate change is concerned as well and uh, Eamon Ryan is heading off to COP and all of that kind of thing. Joe, do you want to take, take this? There's still a lot of denial about climate change. There is, there is, but I suppose that the person would say, "Be God, friend, there's a change in the weather. <laughs> the weather like changes like in within seconds. Yeah. And you know, you can go out there like like this morning. It was uh, just four degrees. You know, yesterday at lunchtime it was sixteen or seventeen degrees. The whole thing changes instantly. You know, I happened to be driving on the M50 on on Wednesday. My God, was it dangerous mm. in action? Like, like it was just a line of cars, every, lorries, and and water and wind. And you and haven't rain. seen the likes of this before, have never. You? Have ne- you? Haven't seen the likes of this before. And when I say it was dangerous, this was lethal stuff going on, mm. and and the downpours and the wind were getting. And the next thing, you know, two hours after, you have a blue sky. Incredible changes yeah. in the weather, and the same thing. The seasons, like that, we know. Just say twenty years ago, the seasons have all changed. You know, we still have the the spring, the the, the autumn, the winter on a calendar, calendar on a calendar regime. But in reality, they've all changed. You know, and I was only saying to somebody the other day, if you were trying to organise a function now for next year, an outdoor function for next year, and you were trying to pick a day, like we'll just say we'll go for the twenty fifth of July. Mm-hmm. You have no idea, in the name of God, whether it's going to be lashing rain, whether we're going to get sunshine or what we're going to get, because the weather has all changed. The climate change thing is very slow to pick up in, in, in this country. Mm. I think I think change in any event is always slow to take, no matter how, in what way it goes. But is I it because when we start talking about like the global issue, the existential issue that is like, climate change, we end up talking about turf, for God's sake. Do you, well, do, you, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like... But I agree with you. That is that is our way of doing things. That is our way of thinking is back to what matters to me. Right. Back, keep it on the ground. Keep it low. Keep it local. That's the way we think here. Instead of looking at how we are affecting the overall, I think we're denying that we're affecting the overall. But the thing is, it's very very difficult, like to say, ban turf, mm. but allow forty more airplanes up in the sky. Like Absolutely. how do you how do you how do you balance that one? Absolutely. And how do you balance like you know when you look around at factories? you know, and the emanating, you know, masses and masses and masses of smoke and whatever else, but you still can't, you know, burn a bloody bit of turf. Very hard to swallow all that stuff. Yeah. And I think the plan, I think we need a major plan, but the plan we have at the moment certainly is not working. It's, it's not working, Siobhan, because there's not a just transition, and it seems to me that that is not, and to a lot of people out there, they're saying that all, all these decisions are being made, but there's no overall vision to to it. Now, I don't expect you to speak for yeah, Fianna no, Fáil here today, but yeah. Fianna Fáil, part of this government along with the Greens and they're getting a lot of flack for this you know well they are but like change first of all Fran not everybody welcomes change Mm. and we have to change and that's the bottom line and you have to have change and like we've signed up government policy is by 2030 we'll have cut you know half our you know our we'll have cut our greenhouse gases by half um, and 2050 then we'll be at zero um, but in order to do that it means vast change and we can already see right around the world I mean you had Peter Power the, the CEO of UNICEF on a little over a month ago for looking at Africa and absolutely the devastation there again mm. Uh, mm. you know and the drought and you know shocking scenes and we've it's had always beast, the poorest of people yeah, that will suffer but most. even like here we've seen beasts from the east we've seen yeah. storm Ophelia um, we're getting a lot more storms than we ever got before 
mean, Joe has highlighted as well. I mean, in the summer, uh, we could have kind of a heat wave mm. and the next day we could have floods. I mean, look at, you know, today in Wexford, it's still, it, they're, they're still recouping, obviously, the, the flooding mm. of the last few days. Um, and just right around the world, like people have to acknowledge, look, it's not just something made to, up. In terms of a doing something, but I have no life, so I was reading into the mm. plan for twenty. 50 and an awful lot of it is still going to be based on buying these carbon credits which means really that they're treating that like a commodity and really nothing much is going to be done. Do you, yeah. know, do you know what I mean? Well, even kind of in small ways, like obviously we are looking now, Minister Eamon Ryan, we were on Zoom with him yesterday. I, I, I had a funeral, so I was on Zoom. Others were in attendance and Nina, he was there for the, you know, a new bridge. Yes. Um, Balna, Balna, and yes. um, he was just talking about, you know, we were obviously talking about, uh, I and others raised about the EV chargers, mm. um, that obviously we need to roll more of those out if we're to encourage people uh, to start looking at electric cars. And, um, you know, I was mentioning, obviously, the railway station here in Clonmel is really not mm. adequate and I'd love to be able to use it, but it, the timetable is, you know, not conducive to when people want no. to travel. And, and we these have a are the kind that. of things, but if you want to get us off the roads... Fix yeah. the trains. Um, but there is a national um, trans uh, rail network plan currently being worked on. And interestingly, yesterday, Minister Ryan mentioned, you know, he was agreeing with me because that's his preferred option as well, that we would look at all the railway links around the country, not just in terms of, of for carrying people, but also goods mm. uh, to see if we can kind of just r reduce our carbon intake. But he mentioned about, um, you know, um, battery, uh, you know, um, trains that would be mm. run on, on battery. And, you know, just how um, resourceful as well that that we've kind of become. Like, right. if you said that to somebody 10 years ago, we're just saying, even in terms of, like, electric cars, you see, trains, when, things when, like that. When will that happen, you know, the thing? Tom Tracy wrote a book, Mark, and he, he big into green issues himself, very much so. But saying that things are ridiculous, like the notion of the electric car, it's great. But what about the carbon footprint for you to have that car? And are we missing out on the bigger picture here all the time? Um, I, look, I think I think there, there is a missing on the bigger picture. And I think we're getting a taste of, say, this this energy crisis, you know, cost of living crisis of what what is coming down the line. I mean, you know, we're getting kind of little, does it, does it, this is just we have we have an energy crisis because of a war. OK, but we are facing an energy crisis because there is only limited resources in relation to oil and gas and that. And they and they will eventually run out. Um, but hope hopefully we will have transitioned before that becomes a major issue. Secondly, it's it's it is incontrovertible that the climate change is as a result of human um, interaction in in our, in our side because people uh, there's a the climate deniers out there who say oh we should we've always go through these transitions and and that is correct the, the earth has gone through transitions mm. it has been a hell of a lot hotter than it was than it is now yes what is the difference now is the rate of increases mm. is much <clears throat> faster than it ever done in history I mean you know as an architect um, you know, we deal with, uh, we design for events. Mm. And you have the 100-year event, you have the 500-year event, the 1,000-year event. The problem we're getting now is that the 100-year, say, flood event or the wind event is now happening every five or six years. You know, so that has to go into your plans. Well, is it that should it? be, but we haven't changed. We haven't changed it, but we do. We, from an Everett architecture point of view, yes, we do, yes. we've changed. But, but say for civil planning, no, because you're still designing for the hundred year flood or the five hundred year flood or the thousand year flood. But you know, if we look at it, I mean, I, I was just back from from Australia and Sydney. 
I mean, they've had they've had them. They had a period of the worst drought for fifty years, and now they have a period of the worst uh, of the worst rainfall for seventy years because they they've had more rainfall uh, this this winter in Sydney um, since nineteen fifty the nineteen fifties. Mm. Mm. So what you're getting is these extreme events are coming along, and they're not individual extreme events. They're now becoming more regular. Where I think we're not joining the dots up is that there's a lot of talk about things like, you know, electric vehicles and mm. chargers. And, and uh, Siobhan then mentioned about the charging stations. Mm. What people are forgetting is we need to get the power to these stations, which means is we have to accept that we're going to have to have more power, more high tension power cables to distribute the electricity around right. the country. But we're not going to want that. No, though. no. And, and this is where we have to accept certain facts. Yeah. You know, and this is where we are all, I mean, nobody likes change, but also nobody likes to stand up mm. the facts. The fact is, if we want to use electric vehicles, we're going to have to have power cables to, to distribute this. Because each of these power, these are those little electric power chargers are taking maybe twice to three times what an average house would when they're running at high, at, at their high mm. capacity. So we have to have it. And I, I totally yeah. agree, we have to have these things. But then well, when the that goes to context, planning, there will be a demonstration abs- down yeah, in... Absolutely. And, and what the bigger thing is that Ireland has the chance, and I fundamentally believe it has the chance to be the Saudi Arabia of wind and hydrogen energy. Do you really believe I that? do. Mm. Because what's going to happen is Ireland has... a unique position where we have an offshore coastline Mm. Mm. where we have the ability and it's not too deep or we have offshore platforms that we can put wind energy on but we're too late activating that no but it's never too late to start okay we can always say ah look let's forget about it because it's too late to start but let's just start produce because and the one thing they say about electrical or sorry wind energy is that oh it's not blowing all the time absolutely correct or when it does blow we have too much energy absolutely correct which is why yeah, and what we do is we create hyd- green hydrogen from that. And then that green... And we have already have the distribution network to a certain extent with the CARB system where right. we can pipe the gas in mm-hmm. and we can export our gas from green hydrogen, which is right. going to be what is going to happen, into Europe. I love that, Mark. When are we doing this? Well, when, that's that's are, back, are, that's you, back you, to the government. No, but do you see any sign of No, this? I don't. No, well, well, no, no they talked about it, offshore yeah. wind platforms. Yeah, but and the, then what is the major... There's a major hold-up with that, isn't there? I it? mean, there's planning issues and there's objections and for people. And getting people to do it, seemingly, as well. Well, like, no, the lot, no, a lot, no, a lot of the reasons why they've, they've pulled out is a bit like the Apple and the, and the centres, is that Ireland is seen on an international stage as far, far too difficult to get anything done which involves planning. We just do not have... We need to address that because yeah. on do an international stage... you go along with stage, that, Joe? That planning is holding up. So, same with housing. Same with housing. But this is crazy. This is crazy, like, friend. What's going on, like, in planning is absolutely nuts and has been going on, like, for years and years. Yeah. You know, like, when you see some of the houses, like, you know, that we had all this issue about one-off housing throughout the whole country and we had all that kind of thing went on. Then you then you had the... the you, can't, you can't change the tiles on your roof without planning you can't do this without planning you can't do that without planning and they come along and you can't if you look at the objections then to planning or you're going in do you know you, you apply for planning and three months down the road then on the last day they'll, they'll say to you no we, we need to raise this or we need to raise that or you need to change this so you, why can't they change that the minute you apply for planning and shorten the whole process mm-hmm. it just can't be done right. and the same thing with you can look at macro and micro if you look at like at, at the, the long the long term planning and you know Things are still happening today, you know. As as uh, Marcus pointed out, they will say you see the small little gullies and in, in, that are they're still they're still putting those in today mm. because the pipes won't take the rain because we're not planning ahead at all and we're not planning ahead. If you go into Dublin, like going to Dublin now is an absolute nightmare mm. because you mm. cannot park mm. nowhere. Mm. Well, you can. 
you know, eight or ten miles out you can park. Other than that, all the city centre is all anti-this, anti-that, anti and it's it's the mm. city centre has gone to pot. Siobhan, and, you must and, come across planning stuff all of the time, do you? Yeah, I do, but I, I suppose the biggest thing I find is that people don't tend to go for pre-planning meetings, and that is always, to me, just mind-boggling, because you have, um, you know, people who'll apply for planning, they get knocked, whatever, and I'll always, they'll, they'll mm. come to me and say, I got, and I said, did, did you did you have a pre-planning meeting? I mean, pre-planning meetings cost and nothing. Ex- explain that to people. I mean, that's where you so, get an indication yeah. of what road you should go yeah, down. Yeah, so for example, if Fran Curry decided he wanted to build a house, um, that he would, you know, and he had kind of an idea sketch-wise, just basically what he wanted or that, that you can, uh, it, it costs nothing mm. to come in and to meet, make an appointment with the planner, and he or she will advise you on, um, well, okay, what type of house? They'll tell you whether they'll allow you to build a bungalow or you wanted a two-storey. Well, maybe a two-storey won't give you a two-storey, but it would give you a dormer. Mm. Um, so leaving that meeting, it's going to save you money because right. obviously before you submit you, all your you plans, know what's possible, you know what they'll allow. Yeah. And they might say, well, do you know something, looking at the road you want to build it on or, um, yes. you know, what what the other houses are like next door, um, maybe you can't have it or you can have it if you put it in this section, whatever. But time and time right. again, Fran, people come to me and I say, do you have a pre-planning? Now, if there are any architects and markets here, mm. but engineers, whatever it is, there's a whole host of them who don't like whatever reason, um, you know, they don't advise about the pre-plannings. And I say to everybody, whatever you uh, want to build, they cost nothing. Make an appointment to the planning section. And to then on the grander council. scale and the big scale that yeah. we're talking about here with green issues and all yeah. of that, I mean, there's no doubt that planning in the country, is, is it's disastrous and it is holding us back, isn't it? It is holding us back. But the biggest issue with, like you're talking about um, windmills or things like that. I mean, um, you know, I, I'm very interested in the environment. I have solar panels myself. Um, you know, now when I got them in, you couldn't actually sell back to the to the, the main grid. Yeah. grid. You can now. Yeah. And, you know, that's become very, very popular. And there's quite a number of people. There's good grants there as well, if there's anybody listening to do that. And there's also good grants for homeholders with respect to, you know, upgrading your boiler or right. um, insulating your but house. But you have to come up with like the that. money first. Um, well, know? yes, you do. Yeah. Um, but there are good grants there if people are looking at it. And it can save you in terms of energy costs. But a big thing with respect to whether it's kind of windmills. Now, I totally agree with Mark. My preference is, you know, we have lots of wind. We're on island. Uh, they should be out at sea. And we should have lots of them. Um, but I think a, a lot of these bigger projects, a, a big problem with them is the number of objections and how that gets held up as well. Yes. Um, and the difficulties posed by that uh, in moving forward. Yeah. And that would be the bigger one for bigger plans like windmills. Like if you propose a windmill, um, and it's funny, it's even different parts of the county. Mm. In North Tip, it doesn't seem to be a, an issue. In the South, it's like World War Three. Yeah. if even an application hits... So what the- there's no you know, uniformed sort of approach no, to planning. No, but I'm just saying, no, as regards, um, as, as regards members of the public, I'm talking about, I'm not talking oh, about right. the planning section, that if it's proposed, they'll see, well, the community might get something so from it. So people in South Tip are more awkward, Siobhan, is that what you're saying? Um, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying they look at it. They're, they're, they look at it differently. But yes. like Mark is saying, you know, um, we, we have to be more proactive in looking at right. things like windmills because we have to become more self-sufficient. Right, but we like, do need regulation, Mark. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, there I mean, has I, to be regulation. I, I agree to a certain extent with, with um, Siobhan in relation to pre-planning. It can be very helpful, mm. but but as in, in larger projects, it's a waste of time. I mean, there's no point. Oh, no, I'm to, talking about kind of housing. Yeah, for a, a person who wants to say, do they want to build a... Because they yeah. want to build a house and they yes. kind of, it's a dorm or two-story. Well, they haven't, who, have no, who haven't maybe engaged an architect at that stage who would be able to advise them, no, you're not going to get that. Yeah. Yes, it's very helpful. Yeah. But just back into how do we solve the problem. I, there, I see three... There's three areas. The objecting, the role of board panola, and then the road, the role of the courts in judicial review. Just very briefly, objecting, objecting to any plans. I think you have to show a direct, a direct connection and maybe a direct in, injury on you. Correct. So therefore, you can't have someone from Kerry objecting to a wind farm in in Clonmel, for Ju- Just to object. Just to object. Yeah. So you have to have a. There has to be a direct uh, injury to you. And is that not there? No, it's not. Okay. No, anyone right. can object to anything. Okay. The second thing is Borpanola and the role of Borpanola. What I think that is fundamentally wrong in that if I object, if I take my objection, let's say I have a housing scheme mm. and I object to the road access to the housing scheme is going to be, I think it's it's wrong. What happens is I object to a board panola and if they've been granted. and But but the problem with board panola is they start the whole process again and look at everything. I believe if you, if there is, if there's an individual objection, they should only rule on what that objection is. So they say, no, there's nothing wrong with the entrance. That's it. Or if it, so, the, so a board panola can only adjudicate on what they've been asked to adjudicate. Where board panola currently is, they open up the entire case and they can say, no, actually the entrance is fine, but actually the drainage is wrong. So therefore, we're going to we're going to do it. Where no one has has brought that up, so that's wrong, I think. And if we got rid of that, we'd speed it up completely. And the role yeah. of board panola, and then finally, I think the government needs to step in in relation to the role of the courts in judicial review because the number of of projects that go to board, they go through the planning process, yeah. get objected, go to board panola, get objected, and then they're dragged through the courts. I think that's a fundamental thing. And that's where the larger uh, corporates are looking at the country going, Is it's not just any of those. It's, this is the problem. This whole sequence that goes through for large projects. And I think the government need to right. take a, take a step and really look I, at that. Can I just say that, like yes. Minister Daryl O'Brien is reviewing, as as Mark be aware, yeah. the whole onboard planola, the structure of it. So I have no doubt. Like but I think it's more than the structure. Be, it yeah. needs to be it needs to be their specific role in the process. But I, I think the overall structure uh, of uh, onboard planola is now going to be reviewed, which I think and, is a very and, positive. And about thing. time to yeah. just really quickly, Joe. Yeah, I would always just say that. Thank God I wasn't on a Zoom call with Eamon Ryan yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, we'll take a break. (laughs) Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, you're welcome back. And our Friday panel with us, Siobhan is here, Mark and uh, Joe as well. Sadly, we don't have as much time as I would like for this because I think it deserves a full discussion within itself. But it is all about our town centres and policies to maybe rejuvenate them in some way because they appear that town centres are full of vacant premises, betting, charity, or phone repair shops dominating, and, of course... As we've heard in recent times, antisocial behaviour is rampant as well. Um, Mark, what what does it need to revamp town centres? And we look to Dublin as well, to O'Connell Street as well, but let's stick with, with rural towns first of all. Um, what, what if, do you I, if I knew that now, I'd run straight out and do the Euro Millions. 
Yeah. Because that's where we're at. I it's mean, like you know, that, I, I think it is. I mean, it's, it's very hard to know. We're in, I think we're going through the transition almost as like the transition there was for the, um, the Industrial Revolution in the towns and wow. you know and the horse I mean where horses and blacksmiths and stables were sent were in your centre of the towns and then came along the motor car and that was a fundamental change I think with, with what what is I think the question we need to ask ourselves and each each person has to ask is what's the purpose of your town centre if you are the person who goes onto Amazon and buys all your clothes on Amazon and then you buy your stuff on this and it gets delivered to here well then you cannot then also in the same voice go and argue the cases there's no shops in town because you have to support you're not shopping, you're not shopping yeah. there so lo and behold it disappears I think we need to fundamentally and this goes on to the antisocial behaviour because I think the two of them are quite linked what I believe is, is towns are becoming is becoming social centres for meeting people and for the services of which are you physically have to attend is it's obviously very hard to get a haircut by by but down down uh, on online so i think you're going to see the, those those sort of those sort of services i think you're going to see you know the likes of the coffee shops and things like that but then also linked to that is tourism mm. because you know this any towns that are doing really well look at the towns that are doing really well at the moment you can also link that to tourism that they they are doing well at tourism because you know people like to travel they like to see other places you know for how long flights are cheap and, and that and accommodation so i think clamel has a big has 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 a big challenge in that respect if you just take say clamel as an example is that we don't have we aren't really fo that focus on tourism as much as other towns would be um shops i i feel for people involved in in the normal shops like who are spe especially in the greet the clothes the shoes mm. that sort of stuff which you can buy online convenience less so i, I mean but if i knew what it was god i, I think I'd, I'd go do the lotto siobhan i don't want to completely home yeah, in on clan mel because that's not yeah. fair but yeah. we've been hearing a lot about the the antisocial behavior on mm. o'connell street in clan mel as well matty mcgrath was on the program he spoke out about it very strongly mm. indeed um is that real siobhan is that well, look, I mean, I, I was, you know, sent a video of particular, um, yeah. you know, incident that happened. Um, but I would say, look, overall, I, I suppose we're here today, we're, we're talking about towns first, and mm. I, I, I'll mm. come to antisocial behaviour. I mean, I, I think antisocial behaviour, unfortunately, isn't just exclusive to Clonmel. It, no. it's, it's everywhere. And we and, made that um, point, absolutely. You know, and I yeah. think that's very important. Mm. Um, but I, I have asked, we have a new chief superintendent, and ever before, I suppose, the, the incident that was highlighted on video, I had asked that when the new chief super was in situ, that he would come before the members of the Clonmel Borough District, that we could talk in camera and just discuss the well, issues we had. Well, he'll be in situ in Ennis in County Clare. Um, well, his remit is to cover all of Clare and all of Tipperary, mm. and he has agreed uh, to come and meet with us, mm. so I'd be happy to speak to you after that and just yes. uh, as a follow-up on but that. But uh, Mark's point, uh, though, is, is the antisocial behaviour just a product of the way the town centres no, are going? No, I, I, yes, it is, and I'll tell you the uh, you know in in it's difficult situation too because. The number of guards we have in Clonmel has not changed. So as one has left, you know, whatever position they held, um, one was replaced. Mm. But we didn't get additional numbers. And mm. that's the difficulty that we have. And that's why I wanted to meet with the chief superintendent, because, um, you know, mm. it, it has changed. And the, the type of crime has changed down to the years. And mm. we need to address right. that. And we need to do that with and, manpower. And where the buildings and the shops are concerned, and try to attract something into... Yeah, so just to 
say, first of all, that Clonmel is, is a very strong trading town. I mean, if you look at even after COVID, you saw around the country, particularly the large kind of British multiples pulled out. Um, we had one in Clonmel and that was the um, Zipyard. Now, mm. they went all over the country. Mm. Um, so that says a lot for, you know, the, the strong trading town we have. The difficulty as well is that there are a number of very small units that were historically like news agents. Mm. And the difficulty is, um, and Mark has alluded to it, that retail has changed exponentially down through the years. It's, it's, if we, we've changed. Ireland has changed. Mm. Um, and we need to review that. And we need to, to look at those. And do you agree and with Mark that we're in a particular time of a profound change? Yeah, the- and we are. And just to put in context, like in Clonmel, um, I have every, you know, I've, I've great, um, you know, uh, like we have a lot of shops who have opened in recent times. Mm. We have people who've retired. We've other people taken over. Um, I'm in talks with people that, um, you know, in the next few weeks will be opening. There are others that in the new year will be opening. Mm. Um, and we also have, um, obviously, a number of, just to, as we're talking about town centre as well, that before I come to the larger projects, that Minister Dar O'Brien has announced and mm. a, a, announced a number of schemes to encourage um, over shop units to be turned to be into turning, yeah. houses. We, we've been hearing about that for years. Well, Sorry, we need just, to just, just quickly on that, you need yeah. to address the fire issues with that. That's the fundamental problem. Right, okay. okay. We're, we're, we're getting and, and just before I go, the, UR, to running out of the them, URDF, yes. and yes. that's going to be massive. Now, the applications are going to be opening next month for the for this month for the URDF, and that's the Urban Regeneration Development yes. Fund, and Tipperary County will be applying for to finish Kicken Barracks, to upgrade all okay. the big streets in the well, centre ho- of Clonmel hopefully we'll do better um, and than a Bulmer's project for Beside the Friary. Just, ju- just a final word on it Joe, town centres and after again that, in your own experience. After that political broadcast I'll say to you, um, to me I think a lot of it goes back to planning, there was yes. too much planning allowed on the outskirts of all towns, yeah. you can look at them here, there and everywhere and especially for the likes especially for the likes of the I can understand the likes of your pharmaceuticals have to be outside of town, I can understand that but for the like of other other, other uh, stores, superstores, you know, that are selling everyday goods, they should not have been allowed out on the outskirts. We have other towns uh, not too far down the road, the likes of Dungarvan and whatever else, who didn't allow them to build outside. They made them go inside, and when they went inside, the town centres are still extremely vibrant town centres. I think one of the extremely difficult things is that people can't make a living out of where they are. But I think one of the things that needs to be changed, and this is all down to the fire officers of the country, is that how you... Um, bring life into the buildings that are upstairs uh, overhead shops Mm. I think the fire officer I think we need to think outside the box I think we need to have public uh, bins where you can publicly put in your waste you know that you Mm. don't have the 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 wheelie bin underneath the stairs and you don't have all that kind of thing Mm. I think that all needs to be done and I think um, uh, fundamentally I think the, the issue with social antisocial behavior is 99% of it I think is coming from drugs can I make I one, right. and on that, one, 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 quick, right. one quick suggestion right. really quick, quick parking yep. I said sh- you should have uh, free parking between 12 and 2 in the town to allow people who are outside the town say up in the, up in the okay. uh, things to come in and park right. and just, 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 just finally I just seconds, want to commend yeah. all businesses out there because in good and uh, uh, bad times they've kept the shop doors open right. and to commend that and there's a lot of good things coming down the track alright so we're looking forward to them thanks very much indeed to Siobhan to Mark and to Joe that's it from me Emma produced uh, Ali looks after our content and Stephen is on the way and I will talk to you on Monday look after yourselves bye bye
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 